It's like this little dirty little bass line. I don't fucking care. Can we move on to a new segment, please? Welcome to Just Two Fans, a sports show about sports. Obviously. About life. Because sports are life. And about just whatever the hell we feel like talking about. So, uh, let's go. What is up, everybody? What's good, y'all? I'm Jamie Friedlander. That's Eli Johnson. That is me, and alongside us today, we got special co-host slash uh, podcast frequenter slash podcast taker over, Chris Burkhart. Podcast third wheel, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love third it. wheel, but I'm needed for stability. Definitely are, need of stability this week with the uh, nonsense that's going on in college football right now. Right. You keep us, you keep us humble, Chris. That's, that's all. You know? <laughs> right. See, see, this is where, <laughs> except for our college football takes, where you're like, "Yeah, you guys are great." You know, see, it's this so is good. where I come in handy, though, because you guys aren't like locked in. I don't mean it negatively. I'm just like, you, like your pulse is not social media. My pulse is social media. Like if I'm at my computer, Twitter is up and reloaded constantly with nothing but sports news. So that's what I serve as now that I'm in the group chat with you guys because I'm trying yeah. to. I'm like. I'm trying to send you guys the news before you see it. So like, a, like a, I was right on the Brian Kelly stuff. I was like, boom, Brian yeah, Kelly, you were. LSU. <laughs> like, you for yeah, sure well, like, were. I, that text message, I got that, and I, I was like, what? I was like sitting in a conference room. I looked it up right away, and it was nowhere else. There was like one tweet about it at the time. You said, I was just like, Jesus Christ, Chris. <laughs> hey, pay, pays to have someone around. He's used to you know searching and being I love in the biz, it. baby. Hey. That's great, man. It's great. Got, got got me time to almost prepare for today, but you know, of course I didn't. So, if you can't tell, today's episode is going to be entirely about college football. We understand that there are other sports happening, but there unless are. you want to sit at your computer and listen to us for six hours, which you might be doing anyway, we don't have time for any of that. Especially because we have like two weeks of stuff to go over. Yeah, we kind of so. had an impromptu week off last week, which yeah. is mostly my bad. So, yeah, it's also my bad. You know, you know my happens. my grandma, who I rarely see, came into town. So I was like, I got to maximize my time. So I spent the time in uh, staying at my sister's house, which uh, doesn't have my recording setup. So I was getting ready to get on a plane for the first time in like a year. So, you know. Me, I was just upset. I was ready to fill in. I was, I was sitting in the mirror in my bathroom, watch like, "What's up, everybody? Everybody." I was practicing. I was ready, really and then y'all dropped the ball and said you couldn't do it. I went out and bought a beer. I was ready to crack one open, and nope. Oh no! Got the rug pulled out from under me. Oh man, now I feel bad. Do I? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Speaking of beers, though, yeah, I think we got to start because this is all college football, baby. Yes, we're gonna start with beer of the week. Yeah, nice. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Chris is making himself at home on the show. <laughs> that was a shorter little 
Improv, you know, improv thing you did there, Eli. Took me off guard. I'm excited. That's why we, we have, have a lot Chris to get here. To. We do. <laughs> so let's let's get to the beers, Chris. Since you were you've been on the ball the last two weeks and had beer ready for us, why don't you kick us off? All right. Well, before I open this week's beer, I want to bring in last week's beer. What it was gonna be? <laughs> uh, it's the can is still here because I couldn't wait, waste today more. I drank it. It was. The uh, Schmortal Combat. I just bought it because <sighs> the uh, the logo is this little this little marshmallow and you know graham cracker is supposed to be a play on Mortal Combat. <clears throat> it is a Imperial Stout with chocolate marshmallow and graham crackers. Uh, that sounds so, good. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> like, oh, it, oh no, it's probably like a I, I'm I'm giving it like a like a two and a half. Like it like I would Ooh. maybe have it again one day, but I'm not seeking it out because like <coughs> there was flavors in there, uh, but I don't think the flavors were chocolate marshmallow or graham cracker. Uh, I let my wife have a drink and she said it tasted like cough medicine, and I don't think that's too far off. Not as good as the uh, the logo on the can would dictate but today two and a half might be the lowest rated beer yeah. that we've ever had the, you know that's it's really it was sad bad. too because because the beers with the best names and the best cans are usually really good but not that one not but today one. today i got the we'll crack it open here but i couldn't pass it up beautiful logo ancient maori the kiakaha hazy ale from ben's mm. own crux fermentation project well, it's all right. That's okay. But ooh, the smell—it's like, strong, strong on the hoppy smell here. It smells like you're—I'm brewing my own beer. Like ooh, love if that. you've ever brewed any, like very strong there. A little sippy sip. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's a good one. That's Crux a good one. Is a solid brewery. I was there on Sunday last week. It's. It's good. It's good shit. Yeah, it's the yeah the Kia Kaha Hazy Pale, which is also brewed with the uh, the special Motueka hop from New Zealand. So they they oh. go with a full uh, ancient Maori theme here, even from a, a New Zealand hop. The hop, tell you what, the flavor on the hop, very good. Like you can smell it when you crack it, you can taste it, but it's not like when you go like hard IPA where the hop just overpowers. So yeah. Nice what's your mellow. general rule? Like, what's your what's your guys' ranking for what is an average beer is? Three. A three? Three is a totally average beer. Yeah, so then this is definitely not a three. It's higher than that. All right. I don't want to know if... if it, does four mean I love something a lot? Like, what's well, a four? I think, four? like, four is, like, a really, really solid, good beer. Four and a half is, like, I love it. Five's like... Perfect. I, I'm buying this every time I see it anywhere. Okay, I'm gonna go a little bit over that. I'm gonna go four one on this bad boy because Ooh, for some nice. for something I've never tried before, very good. It's light, like the the, the hazy pale. It doesn't kick you, but you get all you, like every sip. I can taste a little bit of a different ingredient in there. Plus uh, a shout out to the you know Poly Pride. It's got a spot in my heart here. So the uh, Kia Kaha from Crux Fermentation Project definitely. I'm giving a solid four point one. Hell yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay, Jamie, you want to go? Sure, I'll go. I'm still working through all my October pumpkin beers, <laughs> and we're almost See, I, in December. So I wanted you to go first because I am still deciding between the two beers okay. that I bought because they both sound good. All right. This is from Great Divide Brewing Company in 
Denver, Colorado. It's just called Pumpkin Ale. Not really hiding anything. <laughs> Eli, shut up. Disgusting. Nobody cares about your garbage opinions. Every, everybody cares. That's why they listen. That wasn't very good. <laughs> it was very, it was like, it was like, you know, when like people like fall in slow motion, where it's like they fall like one joint at a time. That's what that crack was. <laughs> that was terrible. All right. Hopefully the beer's better than that. Oh. That's really good. I don't oh. get a whole lot of pumpkin. To be fully oh, honest right. with it's, you. It's probably a great pumpkin beer then. <laughs> I mean, there's probably enough there that your stupid taste buds would hate it, but, <laughs> um, you know, 6.5% ABV, which is pretty simple ale. Is it is it worth seven Essig bucks? <laughs> um... <laughs> That expired in 2013, and they still use them. <laughs> um, probably not worth seven Essig bucks. Although, you know, I, how do you even gauge that at a football game? <laughs> I said to throw it in there. Um, it's good. It's not fantastic. You know, pumpkin ales are very, like, eh to me. Um, I just got them because it was October when I purchased all this beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go 3.75. It's above average. It's good. Not great. It's, it's there. It's good. Okay. Sounds good. And and for me this week from Ecliptic Brewing, I have the IO Doppelbach. IO as in the moon of Jupiter that's round and dense, just like me. <laughs> um, it is a Doppelbach. And I'm going to have to save us with this ASMR here because you guys... I don't know about you. I'm just going to rip this open and like hopefully it gets <laughs> hopefully a good it sound. Good. But it might just spray <laughs> fucking everywhere. So we're going to see what happens, boys. Oh, that was good. It sprayed everywhere. Oh, God. that was a good it's one. Like my, it was it's like good. off my head. <laughs> I saw the spray. Is it on your forearms? Yeah. Oh, it's everywhere. It's on my desk. Like I just put my. Jamie's the only oh, yeah. one who even gets. God damn. You mean it's not, it's not your this forearm? <laughs> see the muscle? Look at that shit! God, <laughs> you can literally see the creases of the muscle. God, I'm ripped. All right, let's get a sippy sip here. Ooh, so I am a fan of a Doppelbach. Mm-hmm. Always have been. Me too. Real nice, good winter beer. Um, and this is a good Doppelbach. Um. Very mellow, very it's like surprisingly light, mm-hmm. clean finish. Um, almost has like a wine taste to it on the end, which is not a bad thing. Uh, very, it's like it's like a little creamy. It's nice. I, um, I'm gonna give this like four and a half. This is really good. Nice. If you like Doppelbox, you're really gonna like this I, one. I like Doppel Doppelbox. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like creamy, it's <laughs> light, it's. Very good. Well done, Ecliptic. Well done. So we're going to talk about football now since we got our beers? Yes. We are. football has been I nutty. I don't even know where to start. So <laughs> um, we've missed like two weeks of crazy actual football, right? Like mm-hmm. the, we've had two full weeks of games and craziness has ensued. 
Um, I don't think we're going to go over the games from two weeks ago because they were a long time ago at this point. Um, I think we need to start with the craziness that's really started to pick up. I don't even know if you can say pick up, just like explode over the last two days. And that is the coaching carousel. Now, before you get going on this, Jamie, I think it's quite hilarious that about two weeks ago when we were talking about the prospects of Mario Cristobal and Miami and this and that, the argument we brought up was how many times has a coach left a top five program to make a lateral move or even make a step back? It just doesn't happen. And it has happened a shit ton of times in the last 48 hours like I've never seen before. I've never seen a coaching carousel like this. No I don't, idea. Like, I don't think even nuts. close. I no this with this many big names. No way. No way. Only so so let's 14. just let's just go through this, right? So we're going to start with some of the lower tier names. I, I made our list here, and I kind of tried to keep it to the Power Five because if we're going through all these, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. Um, the exception to that was UConn, and I put UConn in here because I hired Jim Mora, and that's a fairly big name, and I think that's a that is an A plus hire to me for a UConn program that needs something. Yeah, agreed. It's not only that; it's a good name for a, a school that like doesn't have a lot behind it when it comes to like. I'm sorry, as I'm blanking for the word, but they just no hype. Like, there's no hey, there's they no need to go. There, they, yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't need to go win ten games. They don't need to go, go win nine games. Aspirations for a conference championship, but to go get a name for more, like it's a like more. That's a that's a good hire for them. It really is. Yeah, it's a good, and I think it's a good spot for Mora because one of the things that UCLA that I think got like the pressure I think got to him of being at that big Power Five school, uh, like you saw, like each year, like he started off strong, and then each year as the pressure mounted, it got worse and worse and worse to the point where like the team didn't even give a shit on the field. Um, I, I like I, I tell this story all the time uh, about Jim Mora, and I'm sure Jamie does too because he was there, but we were at uh, UCLA Colorado. And in the fourth quarter, UCLA tied the game with like eight minutes left. Or they took a lead. I can't remember if they took the lead or they they tied. Yeah. Regardless, like late in the fourth quarter, they they I think I think they took the lead. Yeah, by and, two. Um, you would not have been able to tell if you were just looking at the sideline. Nobody, not a single person jumped in the air. They're all just sitting on the bench, hanging out, talking. Nobody gave a shit. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in college football. Yeah, we were with my sister at that game, sitting right behind the UCLA bench. Like, we were sitting on the 50-yard line right behind the bench. And my sister and her friend, who are UCLA alums, were way more into that game than any football player on that field for UCLA. It was nuts. It it was wild. It was wild. But, so, I think, think, you know, with, with Jim Morrow having not a lot of pressure on him... I think it's probably a good fit for him as well. Yeah, agreed. Uh, moving down the list here, we have Virginia Tech hires Brent Pry, the Penn State defensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah why not? them? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I mean, I was kind of expecting maybe a little bit of a bigger name for Virginia Tech because they have had a lot of really good seasons with a lot of big names coming through their program. Um, and it's it, it seems like it's a it's a it seems like it's a program that wants to get back into the spotlight. Um, 
I don't know much about Brent Pry, to be completely honest with you. I mean, Penn State had a decent defense, so maybe it's a great hire, but... To me, this feels like they had picked out their guy for whatever reason. Maybe the AD has a contact with him or whatever, Yeah, Um, and they went after him. Uh, It's not a splashy hire, but, you know, time will tell. Yeah, with that. Agreed. TCU hires Sonny Dykes out of SMU. Slam dunk. Great hire. It's a slam dunk hire for TCU. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Chris, anything to add? My uh, only thing is, like, yeah, I had a good run with SMU, but, like, how good is Sonny Dykes? Like, how good was Cal under Sonny Dykes? Were they turning heads in the Pac-12? Like, I, I wouldn't argue that he's a bad coach. I just don't know if I would argue that he's a, a, a great coach and definitely I, I is going to have – a little bit probably of an uphill battle to live up to what Gary Patterson. <laughs> I would say he's there. like a he's a great coach when it comes to like a mid major program. Kind of like the Jim Mora thing. It's a good fit, right? I think it's a slam dunk hire in that aspect of like he'll be great for a mid major team. This is one of those I I was confused I, why this job even expectations. I was confused why this job really even opened up. I mean, they're Virginia Tech's bowl eligible. It's not like they're down in the dumps, and they fired their coach, what, like three weeks ago? I remember we talked about it. It just seems like a weird deal to me. Um, you mean um, TCU? That's what I meant, TCU. <laughs> they yeah. are not bowl eligible. They're 5-7. and seven. I was I was looking back up at Virginia Tech. But TCU, yeah. okay, that it makes a little more sense, and I believe Gary Patterson actually stepped down. So Yeah. Forget whatever I said. Um. <laughs> I would say that the positive in this hire, outside of any questions that some random third wheel on this podcast brings up about his coaching, you know, acumen here, uh, is the fact that if you're if you are losing a coach as well established as, as Gary Patterson, what makes Sonny Dykes a home run hire? If you want to argue that, is the fact that coming over from SMU where he had success means you're already getting a head coach who has done all that legwork of getting that recruiting bed in Texas going like it's you're, you're getting a guy to just come a handful of miles over to TCU so that's yeah. not a bad move by any means and like yeah when you see where where TCU is and you know what Sonny has done in the last couple of years yeah definitely not a bad hire I just I just was more just asking just to get some input on what, what we think about Sonny Dykes yeah it'll be interesting Right. Uh, is TCU a better job than SMU? For sure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Is TCU a better job than Cal? And can he do better than he did at Cal? That's the real question. I think that's a, a fair one. And I I don't know the answer to it. I think he may be more well-equipped to do better at TCU than he was at Cal. Um, I also think well, TCU, also TCU been- has a place is going to help their coach win games more than Cal's. Yeah, are that's what I, that's what I was well, it's also at. It's also been, what, like seven years since he was the coach at Cal? Maybe True. longer? True. And you, 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 like head coaches, especially guys like Sandy Dykes, they do they, you know, you, you tend to learn a lot and, from your failures. And evolve. Oh, um, yeah, sure. yeah. It does feel so, like yesterday that he was at Cal. Though. It does, yeah. It does. It does. Well, that's because we're it old. It also feels <laughs> like yesterday that we were, you know, playing at football games and True. that's not the right. case. Um, okay, now into some of the more meaty hires. We got Florida hiring Billy Napier 
from the Raging Cajuns. Now, don't get me wrong. I love myself the Raging Cajuns. Mm-hmm. I think Billy Napier is a great coach. This is a huge fucking leap. Mm-hmm. This is a huge leap. Um, I was not, ex- I, I, you know, I wasn't expecting Florida to make a hire like this necessarily. Um, I mean, you're talking, there are like, again, I love myself some raging cages. There are like five steps in, in, in college football in tears between what Florida expects and what Louisiana Lafayette expects. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Billy Napier handles that. I think he's a good coach, so I, he could do it. It's just there's a lot of stuff. Uh, that's a big leap for him. For Florida, a 6-6 six and six Florida team to move on from their head coach, I would expect a splashy hire. Yeah. And, and this is not that. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily like completely unsplashy because he is a big name right now. He was one of those guys who was in the conversation for every head coaching position coming out. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how he handles going from what are they in the Sun Belt or whatever yeah. to uh to the SEC. That's that's a huge jump in in expectation, in quality, in recruiting expectation. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Billy Napier should be able to do it, but it's going to be. I don't yeah, know. I mean, he's <laughs> inheriting a Florida team that went two and six in conference. That is not mm-hmm. very good. No, and that's in, they're going to expect him to turn it around right away. And that's in the weaker of the two divisions. Yeah, uh, that's that's a rough, that's a tall, tall ask there <laughs> for Billy. Big Napier. glass of water for him to yeah. drink. Yeah, yeah, you gotta look at Napier too, man. He, <clears throat> the team he inherited, <laughs> like Louisiana, from the year two thousand to twenty seventeen, had two years where they finished with a record above five hundred, and they finished mm-hmm. above five hundred all four years that he has been there. Oh, with an yeah, overall record of thirty nine and twelve, and, and they're eleven and one right now. I mean, yeah, and I mean he he took a program that needed it and turned that program around. It, very quickly and definitely proved that he knows what he's doing coaching. And I almost kind of like this hire for Florida because I mean, obviously the urban Meyer connections and you go out and you get all these, try to always get these big name guys. And sometimes I think a school like that can benefit from going off and taking one of these guys who's proven themselves at a lower level and then can come in and do it. Cause I, I just think the expectation on the name can hinder people sometimes too. Uh, like some of the names we might get to here in a minute. <laughs> so I, I actually, I actually like this hire just because yeah, he's, he's proven that he knows what he's doing. It just, now it's under a much bigger microscope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could have made the same argument about Mario Cristobal three years ago when yep. Oregon promoted him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, what has he done to take over a program that was in the national championship two years ago at yeah. the time? And don't get me wrong, like again, I think I think Billy Napier is a great coach. It's mm-hmm. just the the level, like you, like the level of expectation, the competition, just took a massive fucking leap forward. But you also have a name, like the Raging Cajuns is the best name in college football. But like, <laughs> it is not it is not the best Florida. brand in college football. Yeah. Um. And when yeah, when you have Florida Gators in 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 your pocket, like that's that's yep. that's going to help him out a lot. So I'm ro- I, like I'm not necessarily rooting for him because I'm not going to root for Florida, but like as a person, I'm rooting for him. Yep, I like the hire. Agreed. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, 
into the Pac-12 a little bit here. Washington State makes it official that Jake Dickert will take over the program. He was serving as the interim head coach uh, after, what's his name? Rolo. Rolo. Got fired. Uh, Makes sense. Uh, this is a good hire for them, I think. Like he, he took a team that could have otherwise fallen into disarray, and turned them into uh, the you know if Oregon lost last week or this last week, um, they would have won the North. Yep. Like how do you how do you take a guy like that who just led that team to that and go nah not you right agreed <laughs> I I completely agree with you. Um, I think this is a good hire. Washington State's not going to go out and get the cream of the crop coaching talent so they need to find the the diamond in the rough kind of guy and like you said you already have a guy there that's finding success with the guys that they already have you got to keep him yeah Yeah. i think it's i think it's interesting too because i think i think it goes a long way uh to kind of tell outsiders the amount of work that he's done in that locker room in a short amount of time and the respect players have for him and stuff like that. I mean, you look at what Oregon state did when they lost Gary Anderson, right? They get Corey Hall in there. Corey Hall completely rejuvenates the locker room. They were a completely different Beaver team. They weren't winning games, but he did a lot of positive stuff, but even that wasn't enough for him to really get perceived as the next guy. They went out and made the right hire. They got Jonathan Smith instead. And the reason I bring that up is because I just don't feel like a lot of interim coaches, they make the change positive because the team needed a change, but not not as many of them really make an impact in the long term. And to me, this shows you that Jake Dicker did more than just took over and did the basic minimal changes in interim. To me, it shows that he did a lot of heavy lifting that maybe not a lot of people saw to give them enough confidence to say, hey, you did a good job as an interim. We don't even have to do an extensive coaching church. You're the guy we want. So I I, I like that confidence in him. It also gives me um, slight Mario Cristobal vibes. We're kind of going back to Mario Cristobal. Mario Cristobal's interim coach for one game, and the players had him. It was immediate. Mm-hmm. Like you can t- immediately. I mean, there were the, all of the players signed a petition to have him be their head coach. Yep. Like you know, if you make a change like that, and I, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, he's done the same. Jake Dickert has done the same at Washington State, where it's like you got the players, you've got the guys on your side, and that's what matters. Yeah. Also yeah, speaks I mean, to a coach when they prove they, they weren't too big or the moment wasn't too big for them. You know, they yes. were ready to take that challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good hire, too. Yeah. Also, I mean, like we talk about we talked about multiple times on the show how like continuity in in college football is huge and how you need stability and hiring from within grants stability, especially when they they lost uh, Mike Leach, what, three years ago now? Yeah. Um, you need to find stability somewhere in a program like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Good hire, Washington State. Good hire, indeed. Um, <laughs> and now, now we move <laughs> slightly west and north to Seattle to that team from the north, where that powerhouse <laughs> program, Washington elite program, pull elite. FCS an amazing hire and got Kalen DeBoer from Fresno State. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. Caleb DeBoer is a good coach. And I'm not necessarily making fun of this hire because it's probably a decent hire. 
Um, I am however, definitely making fun of Washington State fan. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the Washington or fan Washington fan. Sorry, is what we're making fun of because they were all out there like we're going to get Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> we're going to get Urban Meyer, we can we we're going to poach Lincoln Riley, thinking that they could do that, and then they go out and get the Fresno State coach, which. Uh, really wasn't on the whole lot of lists Mm-mm. for head coaching positions this year. Um, again, he's a good coach, but it kind of goes to show you the state of Washington as a football program. Right? They're just not there. They're just not. As as a Washington fan, you you know they're being like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> for, for real? <laughs> like Luke Dickel, or not Luke, I'm sorry, um, Luke Fickle is still out there, and we get... DeBoer, like <laughs> Jim Moorhead is looking at Akron over Washington. Really? Like as a Washington fan, you got to be like, fuck, <laughs> like f- fucking no, really? no, because they're so delusional. They're like, they're probably thinking this is the best hire ever. And, wow. you know, Fresno State brought Oregon to the wire. So what are they going to do with better talent up at Washington? Blah, blah, blah. True, true. I guarantee you that is <laughs> the <exactly>. narrative. <laughs> On know, that you know, note, that's why I think this is actually a really good hire. Because uh, if you watch any Fresno State this year, and it's that's why I, I, that's why I pause just a little bit and want to know how much of this is uh, Kalen DeBoer versus just kind of the Fresno State mentality that runs itself. Fresno State always has that edge when they play. They've been good for a, a while when it comes to, you know, a team coming up that you you can't take lightly. But you watched how they played this year and they didn't back down from anybody. And that I think is what Washington needed and 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 will excel with him there is cuz they just rolled over more than once and their defense was atrocious. That was easily one of the worst passing defenses I've ever watched in college football and the effort was not there at times and that's something that I've never had to say watching Fresno State they might not always have the talent to win games but they never lack the effort so I think that kind of mentality I actually think can go pretty far for Washington it's kind of exactly what they need yeah I would agree with that um Another thing that's kind of interesting is is Washington is now going to be uh, I'm assuming running an air raid because that's what they ran at Fresno State, um, which is going to be interesting to see because I don't think Washington's ever run an offense like that. I mean, maybe when Jake Locker was there, they they were pass heavy, but there wasn't air raid. I don't think they've ever been anywhere it's be, close like, to I, air and raid. Here's the thing. Dylan Morris, not going to be that guy. He's not oh, that no. guy. It very well could be Jake Hayner who went into the transfer portal today. Oh, it's probably going to be Jake Hayner then. He's going to go dude. back to Washington. <laughs> Fuck, Jake Hayner's good, man. I don't want to play him again. <laughs> I don't want to play him, especially for Washington. I don't want to hate him, man. Come on. Come on. Don't make me do that, Jake. Yeah. I don't, Yeah, I wouldn't say bad hire, but I would definitely... I feel like this hire, though, Like, if you had to grade it, I would grade as like uh, incomplete, yet to be determined. But yeah. it, it can be a really good hire, though. It could be for sure. Uh, like, you know, again, like basically anymore, like most hires are going to be fairly good hires, right? Like the, the, the way teams go about looking for coaches and what they look for in coaches is generally pretty good. It's just, you know, like, it's just funny. Cause they were talking all this like big splashy coach names and then they go and get 
Kalen DeBoer, which I, I would guarantee even a pretty hardcore college football fan wouldn't know his name. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, but it could be a good hire. I you know, like I we talked about Fresno State being a good team all year, so yeah, I'm not making fun of Washington because I think this is bad hire. I'm making fun <laughs> of Washington fan because they're delusional. Agreed. That's that. Agreed. <laughs> um, all right, now we get into the real craziness that has happened Meat the last potatoes. two days. And these two hires just came way out of left field. I uh, was shocked by both of them. Shocked Genuinely. more by the first, we'll, we'll get here. The first one that came out, and this was all, all happened in like a, it felt like a like two hour time span was that Sunday afternoon? I think it was, yeah. Or was so, it no, yesterday? Or was it yesterday? It was yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday morning. I, I don't know. It all happened very fast. USC hired Lincoln Riley out of Oklahoma. You know what's I, crazy about that is like literally an hour before this broke, um, there was articles about him being like, I'm not going to be the LSU coach because everybody was asking him about it. Oh, he straight Turns up out, said that. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to be the LSU coach. And then he said, I'm dedicated to Oklahoma. Turns out he wasn't. <laughs> but he got a I call mean, from his agent like an hour after. Like, I mean, yeah, I would be that, like, bud. I don't know. I, I Coaches have to say that, right? There's no way unless they have signed on the dotted line, they have to be, I'm committed until... Yeah. Literally, they're not. Because the moment that you hesitate with that question, you lose recruits. That's like the gig. Like, you have to lie through your teeth Um, to the media and say, I'm committed. No, I I, I agree. But the part that I I do take pause on is that he says he was committed to Oklahoma, which is... It's one thing to say, but to me, it kind of proved that he was on the fence with wanting to leave in the first place because he told Scott Van Pelt on Monday that, oh, I hadn't even talked to USC. They called me for the very first time Sunday morning, and then the news broke Sunday afternoon. So it took half a day for him to waver from I'm dedicated to Oklahoma to you know fight on. I, <laughs> well, I think... Honestly, I think they offered him way more money than Oklahoma was even willing to entertain. Yeah. I I honestly I I believe that. And I don't believe that he was really looking to leave Oklahoma, but I think USC just blew it out of the water with their offer. He's have. like, I can't turn this down. It's a yeah. hundred and ten million dollar deal for ten years. And they're buying his houses in Oklahoma for five hundred thousand dollars over asking price (laughs) jesus christ and Um, you know the report is that his family gets unlimited use of usc's private jet like i don't know man like and (laughs) you know he has a wife and kids where's a better place to live norman oklahoma or los angeles yeah yeah that's true now interesting interesting uh little side note here usc on social media, uh, obviously, been posting nonstop Lincoln Riley stuff. Uh, their Instagram is filled with it. They posted uh, a picture of him, you know, two thumbs up, fight on. Uh, the uh, the quote was from Lincoln Riley that uh, quote, "This is going to be the mecca of college football." Right. Well, Isaiah Thomas, Oklahoma defensive lineman, commented on that post and said, "Yeah, he told us that last week." Yeah. As I in he, told, he said Oklahoma was going to be the mecca of college football. This is some shady, shady coach shit, man. That's how it goes, man. 
I don't blame coaches at all for this. Oh anymore. no, not at all. You can't. And this is where I hate when people do blame them. Like, if you've ever been in a situation, like if you're doing, you guys are doing your job right now, but someone says, "Hey, I will pay you." 150 times more, 200% more to, to do the exact same job, but do it in this location for me. Yeah, I'm going to, probably going to take that job. Yeah. I'm doing the exact yeah. same job for more money. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, and I was thinking about this from the other angle that we've been attacking the last few weeks. Like, why would you take this? Why would you leave a program that is a top? you know, in Oklahoma's case, perennial top 10 program, always in the hunt for the playoff and go to a rebuild. I think honestly, the way that these coaches look at their job, unless you're Nick Saban, it's a constant rebuild. There's no such thing as a perennial powerhouse because you constantly have to be doing your job at all times to bring in recruits, new guys. Your guys are only there for four years. It's not like you can build a dynasty where Tom Brady's winning the Super Bowl every other year because he's your quarterback for 15 years. You can't do that, right? The way Lincoln Riley's looking at this, you're going to pay me how much more money to do the same thing in a place that's easier, arguably, to recruit to? Yeah, I'm going to do that. Well, and that's that's kind of – I was going to say this. Like, um, USC is going to be an easy rebuild. Like, if you look at that as a rebuild, like that, like, that or Texas have to be, like, the two easiest rebuilds in the world. I, like, USC, USC, without even trying – with Clay fucking Helton was getting top 10 recruiting classes. Can you imagine what a guy like Lincoln Riley, who's cool and has a personality, <laughs> would actually do when he's recruiting these kids? Like, it sucks for Oregon because Oregon's going to start losing those California recruits that they've been uh, coveting for the last eight, eight years or whatever. Um, they're going to start losing out on those guys, which sucks. But, like, if you're Lincoln Riley, you look at this going, I can turn this program a year, around in a year with the talent this team already has. No problem. Yep. And the name, the the brand, the USC brand, like it's easy turn easy turnaround for him. Like I yeah, like two things here. First off, this is outside of USC. This is huge for the Pac-12. I think this yes. is huge. This is huge for Oregon because anytime, I mean, Lincoln Riley has the potential to turn USC into a, a CFP contender, just like Oregon is. And guess what? Now you don't have everyone going. Oh, Oregon's our only chance at a at a at a national title. You got USC in there too. It also means more when you go down to the Coliseum and beat USC now, cause they're going to be in that race. And guess what? More ball eligible teams means more money for the conference. More recruits want to come play. Yada, yada, yada. I will never ever argue against having better teams in your conference, making your team worse. People who say that is stupid. Secondly, this is devastating to Oklahoma because now you have to go to, you have to go to the SEC without your head coach and you've already had a fair amount of decommits and transfer portal guys because of it. So you're going to go with no head coach, a recruiting class that's going to take a hit and a roster that's going to take a hit on top of that. And that's, that's boy, howdy is that devastating to be moving into yeah. the sec on the tails. Of yeah. This. Really, really rough for Oklahoma right now. Um, out of, again, out of left field, didn't see it coming at all. And all of a sudden, you lose to Oklahoma State by four points, and the next day, your head coach bolts. Like, what yeah. the fuck? 
Yeah, that no, I, like, I think it, it's, it's definitely a good thing for the conference as a whole, and it's good for Oregon. Like you said, just because like Oregon USC, if they play and Oregon goes into the Coliseum and wins, it, it fucking means a shitload. It means more like uh, beating a number, let's say fifteen USC, means more than beating a number fifteen Utah. Every oh, day of the week, every, no doubt every about it. Every day of the fucking week, no doubt Doesn't about matter it. where, even if you're at home, that means more. I will and tell so you, it's good for Oregon, but it's also bad for Oregon because they're going to start losing out on some of those recruits. I think. I but will, Mario Cristobal is a fucking magician at recruiting, so maybe not. I will tell you that the moment that I decided to apply to the University of Oregon was when I was watching the 2007 Oregon versus USC game in Autzen. And it's not because I was watching Oregon, Utah. It's not because I was watching <laughs> Oregon, Stanford. It's because Oregon, the Cinderella team that year, went in and beat the shit out of USC. And that place was rocking. Oh, and, so and the loudest game that I've ever attended was the Halloween game in 2009 against USC. Mm-hmm. Yep. My it very first more. game as a student was... USC. Every, everybody <laughs> hates USC. And it's great for us as very close, passionate fans to see USC suck, right? Because they were so good for so long. You know, it, it's good to see them be down. But, Chris, I'm right there with you. It's good for the whole conference. Colorado fans here are freaking out this week because they're like, well, fuck, now we don't have a shot at all. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. If that was the case, nope. then Arkansas would not be ranked this year. No, I think it's good for the conference. I also think here, uh, I I don't like they're going to hurt for a, a recruit or two because they're going to be going after some top notch guys. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think Oregon is going to be hurting in the recruiting battle um, that bad because it's a good hotbed. They're still going to be able to get their top guys, um, and they have that the the way Cristobal uh, and and Kelly before them or before him has built that brand. It helps in the recruiting uh, process. I mean, heck. Patrick Chung's one of the best defenders that school ever had, and he's out of old Rancho Cucamonga right there in USC's backyard. The one that's going to really, really hurt from this is Chip Kelly in UCLA because now that the crosstown rival has some fire under their belly now, now that they have that recruit <coughs> guy who, who can go in there into a living room and get players to come in, UCLA, I think, is going to hurt far more than Oregon Oregon's probably going to lose Agreed. a recruit or two, but they're going to be able to rebound. I don't know if UCLA will be able to rebound because like 70% of their roster, just like USC's, are California kids. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And Oregon recruits a different guy than USC, right? Um, it's still the big talented guy, but Oregon's flashy. Oregon gets the uniforms. Oregon gets all the new stuff. USC is tradition. It's just totally different paths that those and so Oregon's positioned very well in the conference really in the country as like the flashy yeah school right hey. so you're gonna get guys based on that almost alone and if you have a good recruiter like Mario Cristobal you can capitalize on that um you're right Chris they're gonna lose out on a handful but I don't think it's gonna be terrible all in all more better teams in the pack the better um Let's hope this just continues Absolutely. moving forward. Um, after that domino fell, <laughs> I think not not less than 24 hours later, 
LSU hired Brian Kelly out of Notre Dame, who is right on the cusp of making the college football playoff this year. (laughs) Needs a little bit of help, but it could do it pretty easy. They're at six. Need a little bit of help. Two of those top five teams lose, and they're probably in. And he's like, later, dudes. I'm going to go to a fucking six and six LSU. (laughs) Yikes. Didn't see this one coming at all. I didn't. Apparently, the AD did. I saw an interview with the Notre Dame athletic director. He's like, yeah, I kind of saw it coming. The writing was kind of on the wall. You have a guy for 12 years. You kind of get a feel for when he's done. Yeah, it's true. And so I don't think it came out of left field for them. But, you know, to us people who are not connected to Notre Dame at all, this was shocking. From the outside, though, it was just optically so weird. Like, hey, remember a couple weeks ago when I became the winningest head coach in Notre Dame history? Notre Dame history, yeah. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) Lou Holtz is fucking I just... It just blows my mind that there's maybe a college football playoff team that doesn't have a head coach right now. That that blows my mind. That's wild. Yeah, it's wild. it's crazy. Yeah, man, Lou Holtz is turning over in his fucking not grave because he's not dead yet, but like, man, you know Lou Holtz, as soon as that happened, he was like, are you fucking kidding me? Or, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Spitting all over the bike. <laughs> Ugh, gross. <laughs> um, back to Oklahoma for a second. Did you guys see that Bob Stoops is going to be coaching the bowl game for them? That's kind of awesome. I think, I think that's it'd be awesome. Dope if they just hired him back. I think Come it on. would too. Come on. I, Come on, Daddy. Take back over. <laughs> but also, like, A, how good are you at your job in general? And, like, how cool would it be to just be so universally loved that when the place that you had a historic run and put on the map loses their head coach, they're just like, hey, I know you haven't coached for like five years, but can you just come coach this bowl game for us while we try to find a new coach? Yeah, no problem. He's going to come <laughs> step in and coach. What a boss probably, move. Probably get like a $400,000 paycheck too. Right. What a boss <laughs> move. Bullshit. It's going to be a couple million with the way they're throwing around money at coaches <laughs> last week. Seriously. Seriously. Bob Stoops oh. signs a record $2.5 million deal to coach bowl game. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be what it is. That's what's gonna be like be like moving on now too. So yeah. Like yeah, Jonathan Smith leaves to go somewhere, so Riley's gonna come coach the bowl game and <laughs> Oh man. That'd be crazy, dude. <laughs> that should just be what it is. What I do All think right. is interesting back on Brian Kelly real quick, we've talked about teams living off of uh off their reputation, at least with Notre Dame. I mean, Brian Kelly was a good coach. He proved it by becoming the winningest coach there. LSU, when it comes to a brand, is a much more relevant brand in 2021 than Notre Dame is. I mean, hello, they were a national champion champion just a handful of years. And I think their last, what, two, three coaches have won a national championship. So they have been much more relevant to current recruits than Notre Dame has been in current recruits lifetime. So now you take someone like Brian Kelly with that LSU brand, that's a chance for him to do something really, really good. And unless you Notre Dame makes another one of those home run hires, it could, it could hurt them in that recruiting uh, field as well. So I think that's an interesting play there. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about Notre Dame on this show and it, it the committee has shown that Notre Dame has an uphill battle 
They they don't play a conference championship game. They're eleven and one right now, and they're sitting behind Oklahoma State. No. If you had talked to somebody twenty years ago <laughs> and said that Notre Dame would have the same record as Oklahoma State and would be behind them, they would have punched you in the face. Yeah. Now, as I said to Eli pre-show. How how epic would it be if all the pieces fall right so that Notre Dame's window opens wide up and they are a shoe in to be in the playoff? But then the committee's like, well, we had to go with the coach. teams behind them because we didn't <laughs> want to put a team that didn't have a coach into the college football playoff. <laughs> yes. That would I, be honestly, phenomenal. Honestly, I could see that happening. I could oh, see I it could happening. Oh, I could too. I could too. We're going to put Oregon in instead. Yeah, if Oregon blows out Utah and avenges that terrible loss from two weeks ago, I could yeah. totally see that happening. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. That'd be great. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack my second beer real quick. Okay, so uh, my my uh, second beer of the week is um, from Wild Ride Brewing in Redmond, Oregon. It is called Tardy to the Party. That's Tarty. That should have been Jamie's beer today. (laughs) Yeah, Jamie was late today. Um, The listener didn't know that. Now they do. Uh, (laughs) And so we got a strawberry lemon sour ale, and I'm just going to rip off another ASMR here. Wait. It wasn't as good as the first one. It wasn't as good, but it's less messy. So let me take a real quick sip. (laughs) I guess take the wins where you can get them. Um. Tastes like lemonade. That's weird. Um, I like it. Who doesn't love a good lemonade? It's fresh. Um, I'm going to give it a solid uh, four star. Fresh lemonade, baby. Nice. Well, I'm cracking open another Kia Kaha. Poly yeah, Pride, the, baby. I have the same beer. Except I can't crack it. There it is. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> All right, um, so I'm just going to move us on here a little bit. Uh, a lot of coaches got some extensions here. Um, let's just kind of quickly go over these because I don't think we need to talk about them a ton. Yeah. Um, if you want like a quick statement on them, you can. Uh, but uh, Mark Stoops got um, like extension at Kentucky. Uh, just just like give us a yay or nay on whether you like it or not. I say yay. Uh, yay. Yay. The uphill battle to make Kentucky good. Sorry, that's more than a yay, yeah. but I had to yes. say that. What a job. No, it's yeah, fine. No. It's fine. Yeah, he's Absolute, done a great job. Absolutely needs to be needed um, to be done. Hugh Freeze at Liberty. Four million a year to work at Liberty. I mean, yay. they had to, to keep him, right? Yay. <laughs> yeah, I guess. To make Liberty relevant? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Um, PJ Fleck at Minnesota. Yay. Yay. It's great for Minnesota. I think PJ Fleck could have gotten one of the probably the higher profile jobs, but you know, so maybe a C for him, a yay for them. I mean, maybe um, it's just a really good fit, and he knows it, right? Yeah, maybe, I, maybe who knows? Good, maybe he's got a lot I'm, of support. I'm, I'm for it. Scott Frost at Nebraska, yay, nay. Ooh, I have Explain changed your my work. stance. <laughs> I was full yay. Feel like he can still turn this around. The only reason I changed that to a a nay is because I almost feel like the college football coaching landscape has changed drastically since they just decided to, to re up him. You look at the fact, like I said, the fact that USC can go out there and throw money 
and get Lincoln Riley, the fact that LSU can throw money and get Brian Kelly, you can't tell me that Nebraska, with all its boosters, all its money, its tradition, couldn't have thrown money to get a big name to replace Scott Frost. So given the landscape of college football, I rate it a nay in that aspect, though I still think mm. he can improve the team next year. I think I'm it's a go, yay. I'm going to go meh. I'm, I'm going to go yay <laughs> for a couple reasons. First of all, if it doesn't work out, that's awesome for me because fuck Nebraska. Second, <laughs> um, Scott, so Nebraska was 1-8 in conference this year with a point differential in conference games of zero. <laughs> Means they won their one game, I think it was against Northwestern, by like 49 and lost the other eight by 49 combined. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. That's so, pretty impressive. I really think Nebraska, I hate to say this, may be the best three and nine college football team ever. <laughs> pretty close. Um, now, that said, you got to win the close games, and he has not been doing that. So yeah. that needs to happen quickly, or he will be fired. Yep. But I think Nebraska is pretty close to coming back. And if you start over again, again, I think it's an uphill battle. Nebraska's it's going to be hard to get a big name guy. Lincoln's not as easy to recruit to as it once was. Um, I just it's an uphill. I think it's an uphill battle there and expectations are as high as they are anywhere else. And that's a tough place to be a head coach, in my opinion. Fair. All right. Moving on. Jonathan Smith. Oh, no. I saw a, a meme. That was it was it was Mike Riley in Nebraska and the meme was who would have thought we would have seen two shocking Lincoln Riley hires this decade. <laughs> I, I, I just had to laugh. You can edit that out. I saw it. Laugh. All right. We're going to go over to Jonathan Smith. Yay. Huge a plus. Big Huge yay. yay. Big yeah. yay. A, a plus. A plus. Uh, James Franklin, Penn State. Eh. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all in kind of the meh. Yeah, it's I'm, a yay, but I'm, an A plus. No. I'm a meh. Like, Penn State should be better than seven and five. They just should be. So yeah. I'm going to go meh. Okay. Wouldn't it be okay. nice? So, like, like let, let's talk about this real quick. Because, or you got Oregon fan over here upset because Oregon might might have to play in a Rose Bowl. Oh my God! We have Those to play Oregon fans Bowl. can fuck right off. By the way, <laughs> right like, the fuck off. But like Penn State and like even these Notre Dames, like these you talk about seven and five, and it, like they're re-upping coaches, and the sky ain't falling because I think some of these fan bases understand how fucking hard it is to win in college football. Oh, I guarantee <laughs> so you, there are mind. Penn State fans that aren't happy with this. Oh, for I sure, promise. you know just what I'm saying. I'm like, as an outsider, I'm just like. They have down seasons, but at the end of the day, Penn State's still Penn State. It's like like kind of crazy yeah. to me. Just yeah, yeah, no, I agree. With Weird you. tangent. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and then we got Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. Yay! Who? I'm gonna go. Who? Yay! Who? I'm just a little shocked that he wasn't trying to capitalize on this season they had and get a dip. You know, I I, f- job. I feel like he needs to show more sustained success uh, before he starts getting that big name job. Maybe. So that would be that'd be my uh prediction for that. So yeah. I mean I mean it's great for Wake Forest. They definitely like yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I take I Chris, I take it your <coughs> ooh, 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 is yay. 
No, that was a who. Who? Who? Oh. Who? Oh. <laughs> who? Tell me who the hell that is. Is it worth the hire? I'm just like, yeah. I think it's one of those things that you you have a good season. Uh, your coach is proving that he can coach. You have to give him an extension because yeah. who yeah. the hell is Wake Forest going to go get to replace him? So, yeah. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's, it's, it's obviously a good move. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. So uh, there's still a few notable openings here. Right. Yeah. So what what we're gonna do real quick? We're just gonna try to get, um, we're gonna try to put our top candidates in there for oh, each I'm of these jobs. Okay, Oof. so we got Oklahoma. I don't Who, know, man. Bob I uh, Bob Stoops. <laughs> Bob Stoops. Um, I was all aboard the Mark Stoops train until he got his extension. Um. But I, I genuinely think they're either going to get Luke Fickle or um, uh, shit, uh, Brett Venables from Clemson, their defensive coordinator. Venables. I'm gonna of those two, <laughs> I think they're going to go Venables. That would be, and, and if I was Oklahoma, that's who I'd go after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the Luke Fickle name, but I think until he either gets locked down with a fat extension at Cincy or goes somewhere, he's going to be linked to every single job because the yeah, job he's yeah. done this year is top-notch. Top tier. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we're going over to Notre Dame, which still has theirs. I uh, So I, I, I Brett Venables or maybe like a Tony Elliott is probably pretty good for Oklahoma. Um, I think I think Luke Fickle makes a lot of sense at Notre Dame, personally. Like, you know, um, same kind of region. Uh, that he's already been in bigger name, bigger bigger prospects there. Um, so I think I think it makes a whole lot of sense there. Urban Meyer, you're you're on the Urban Meyer train. <laughs> Urban Meyer, he's going to get fired in Jacksonville. You know, Notre Dame's going to go from having a murderer as their head coach to a pedophile. So you know, seems on brand. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. <laughs> um we have so we have Miami down although Miami is not officially open and actually I was seeing today that um it looks like he's going to keep his job on Manny Manny Diaz might be keeping his job for another couple of years. Um so uh I I don't know if we want to talk about that one necessarily. Chris you're kind of a you guy so what would you like to see out of them? Oh God! I mean, I'm I'm only a U guy because I wanted to go there for school. I haven't paid enough attention, but they they suck. <laughs> they should they shouldn't be this bad. I and, and Manny Diaz, he ain't the coach to get him out of there. So you got to get rid of him, move on, make that big splash. An Oregon fan hates to hear it, but if you're Miami, you should be you should be taking a, a freaking dump truck full of money to Eugene. It should be driving across country right now, uh, and be trying to get um, uh, Mario Cristobal to go there it's you need a big coach you need to do something um but notre dame i think would be a good candidate for this guy and if i was miami i'd be trying to get him too but i I think i think matt campbell iowa state i think him at a position like miami i think would be really really good especially with those athletes there uh in florida easy place to recruit to um and he has proven for handful of years now that he's a he's a pretty damn good coach yeah so if i was either miami or notre dame that's a name i would be looking at that's, that's that's a really good name. Uh, he's been, and again, that's another name that's been connected with basically every job that's out there. So I, uh, I mean, that's that's a good hire, pretty much wherever he goes. I think. I mean, he also thing is, isn't on that extension list. Yeah, notably. and the thing is, he's made he's made Iowa State. Uh, 
like he's made him famous. Like you look at Iowa State and you're like, you know who who Iowa State is. Before that, you were like, Iowa State, they have a they have a football program. Like I, I can tell you, back when Colorado was in the Big Twelve, Iowa State was cupcake week. Dude, the only thing Iowa State was known for till he turned them around the last handful of years was Seneca Wallace and like the 150 yard, <laughs> 10 yard run. And if yeah. you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. He ran sideline yeah. to sideline like 10 times to gain 10 yards. And before that, you're like, oh, oh, Iowa State, cool. Good, good for them. I knew about Iowa, but I didn't even know there was an Iowa State. And when you can put a team on a map like that and, and really make, like you just said, Jamie, that was cupcake week. And now you see that team and you're like, oh, that's going to be a tough football game. That's that's a testament to what he's done. So I did. Yeah. I go, just go back to what I said earlier. Definitely a name that should be linked to a lot of jobs. Yeah. Agreed. And here's here's an interesting one. And I, I, I did a little bit of looking at this uh, this week. So I'm I'm fairly well prepared for this with an answer. Um, but it looks like Oregon is going to need a new offensive coordinator. Joe Moorhead <laughs> appears to be the leading candidate for the Akron Zips head coach job. Um, for all accounts that it seems like that's going to happen. Um, so who, who would you like to see replace him? Chip Kelly. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't, okay, I, I don't, I don't know enough about offensive coordinators out there to give a actual answer to this okay um so a lot of people would want to hire within with um and of course i'm blanking his name right now uh the the guy who stepped in for moorhead when he was out um yeah a quarterbacks coach i'm forgetting i can't think i cannot think of his name right now look that up while i go on my answer here so I was I was kind of looking around at like Mastro, uh, Jim Mastro. Uh, Jim Mastro, that's the one. Yeah. So that's the easy hire there, right? He's he's called plays a couple times for Oregon or he's called plays once for Oregon but they lost and then he called plays uh once when he at his at his former job as well. Yeah. Um and and they won that game, I believe. But it's it's I think that's the easy hire. Um I'm looking at a guy and this is uh I, I was like going down a list of like prominent like position coaches uh, that that are like primed for OC potential, and I'm looking at Brennan Marion, the Pittsburgh wide receiver coach. This guy and this and I think he's a perfect fit for Oregon. One, he was already interviewed uh, before Moorhead was hired. He was interviewed uh, the year before, or he was like right before Moorhead was hired. This guy has basically created his own offensive system called the go-go uh, go-go football or whatever. And it's all about deception, misdirection and crazy sets. Like he'll set up with a quarterback with two running backs to his right and run a triple option out of that. It's all about kind of that, that the it's, it's like the next evolution of chip Kelly. And that's why I think he'd be a great fit because it's that it's all about, cause that's what or, like, one of the reasons Oregon fan has been so fucking up in arms this year is the offense looks pretty vanilla, right? Like they're they're winning and like they're doing well, but they look vanilla. There's not that big play. There's not that oh Oregon just went out and threw a double screen fake to a, a lot. You know, like they're not doing that kind of shit. And this guy does. He's an innovator. He's a risk taker. I think it fits well with Oregon. I would love to see that higher if Morehead goes. What about Dan Mullen? Yeah, I mean that's another. That's a good hire. 
you know, Dan Mullen, it, he's a proven offensive coordinator. It's it's kind of like it's like hiring Moorhead again, honestly. Where it's which like fine. You, you've got you yeah, which is fine. Like I like that, but I don't know. I kind of I kind of like Oregon taking a little bit of a risk on a guy who's an innovator, uh, thinks outside of the box because I think that's kind of like. You know, it felt like Oregon, uh, Oregon's offense needed like a breath of life this year. You know, um, it felt very mechanical, and I don't know, like it, like this season didn't feel like an Oregon offense, right? And we we uh, we've kind of talked about that going through, like they were effective, but not quite there. This guy is this Brendan Marion guy is just out of the box thinker, total innovator. I love, I would love to see that happen personally. I watched, I'm, I watched, I don't know. I watched. Much about see, see, he was an offensive coordinator at Howard University, and that was a Howard University that dropped like forty-five on a good UNLV team in two thousand eighteen or something like that. Um, and like it's like the offense is the weirdest shit I've ever seen, and I'm here for it. Like it looks cool. <laughs> I recommend go watching Howard versus UNLV in I think it was two thousand eighteen when he was there. Um. It's uh, it's 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 a spectacle to watch. It's something totally different that you haven't really seen in football. I mean, like he's he's taking uh, aspects of football from like the 1920s and like throwing it in and modernizing it. It's crazy. Like this guy's an innovator. I want to see it. I just want to see. I want to see Oregon have a weird offense again. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't hate it. Um, it's a risk, right? Unproven guy, relatively. Um, mm-hmm. you know, definitely hiring somebody like Dan Mullen would be a much safer hire. Much and safer, I think, yeah. you know, as Mario Cristobal has shown, he's, he tends to go that route. So I think Dan Mullen's probably more realistic, but who knows? Maybe he'll see everything that's going on and be like, we need to take a risk and go for it. Yeah. A, a, a name that I would love to have. I don't know how plausible it is. Uh, Aaron Best, head coach, Eastern Washington. I think that'd be a, a I think that'd be a step up from head coach at Edub to oh, offensive coordinator at Oregon. Be, I think it'd be like the next logical step in his coaching progression. And this is a guy who coached, uh, who has coached at Eastern Washington since the year two thousand, when he was just a an assistant, a general assistant there. But uh, he's been the offensive coordinator since two thousand eight. Head coach since two thousand seven. This is a guy that was there and basically turned Vernon Adams into the next duck quarterback, right? He got Cooper Cup to go from fucking Eastern Washington to being one of the best wide receivers in all of the NFL. Kendrick Bourne is a is a good receiver as well coming out of Eastern Washington. And I mean in, in 2021, Eastern Washington averaged 44.4 points per game. Like that's a mm-hmm. good offensive team with a guy that has taken offensive players from that program and got them to the NFL. Um, So definitely, I think that would be a guy I think you could get him too with the right amount of money. Like, I think that is the next logical step up in, in his coaching, coaching uh, career. So that's a name that I would love to see as OC if Moorhead left. Yeah. There was another name I was, I was pretty high on um, until I found uh, Brandon Marion, but um, is, is uh, Zach Kitley. And he is the offensive coordinator for Western Kentucky right now. And Western Kentucky is one of the most prolific offenses in the country. And um, so, you know, he's got he's 
uh, you know, it's pretty. I'm pretty high on that. Like they're they're averaging like 450 yards a game or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 44 points. Like he's they're a prolific offense. I think that would be a good hire too. And it's something a little bit out of the box. But uh, you're right, Jamie. Mullen is probably the one that makes the most sense. Mullen and, and most or, likely Mullen or Matt Wells, the former Texas Tech head coach. Like those those are the kind of guys that Mario Cristobal has shown that. He's going hey. after, and that's who I want to see both. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them at Oregon. I think Oregon is in more of a position to take a chance on those guys that, you, you're, that you're talking about. These are the kind of guys that I want to see Colorado go after, who is mm-hmm. also now in the market for an offensive coordinator. Somebody who's proven coach, shows that they know what they're doing. That's who Colorado needs. Oregon's in a better position to take a chance uh so we'll see what happens one more name that i actually think would be uh it would be a risk it would 100 percent be a risk but he has he has ties to the heyday at oregon knows the program like nobody's I think business i know what nate costa. knows offense <laughs> you're nate saying nate costa. costa nate costa i'm here for it currently it. the senior offensive analyst and you're talking about a guy who has ties to oregon ties to the heyday at oregon like Knows Chip Kelly offenses, knows freaking the history, knows Bilotti, knows Mariota's, the Herberts of the world, and knows what it means to be an Oregon quarterback. And you want to take a risk on a guy? That one just popped into my head randomly. And the more I say Nate Costa out loud, the more I would freaking love to see Nate Costa in that spot. That would make me so unbelievably happy. Yeah, me too. I'm here for that. I would love to see that. I would Especially since he already is in the staff. As an offensive analyst, like that's, you know, oh, I uh, love it. I'm glad Mastro I would this probably up. hate it, but <laughs> uh, I would, I would freaking love to see that man. I would love to see Nate Costa. A take sign the reins. that the fan base would love this is the fact that I didn't even get to his name, and both of your guys' we, eyeballs I knew exactly, were exactly. <gasps> I knew exactly <laughs> who you were talking yep. about. Yep. Well, it's funny. So, um, on the, so I went to the Civil War game, listener. And um, we, I took a bus over, and it was the Duck Bus, which was awesome, by the way. Shout out to Subaru of Ben. I can't remember the Duck organization that puts it on, but um, they uh, they they have like this bus that picks you up in a parking lot, drives the sisters, picks up people from sisters, and then we go over to Eugene and then drive back. Um, on the way there, they showed the season highlights of the national championship season, the undefeated season. I was just like the whole time. I was like, "Oh, this was so great!" But um, Nate, they 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 talk about Nate Costin uh, when he came in um, in I can't remember what game that was now, and like basically how he dominated in the game still, and like people on the bus cheered. It's been fucking twelve years since Nate Costa was a career backup, and he is yep. revered. Re- well, yeah, I mean, he completely saved an entire season with one hold. So he's a, the he's greatest a legend. hold of all time. <laughs> he's a legend, and uh, like he hasn't been on the team in so long. But um, also, I, I won on trivia. I won a uh, Peter Jacobson signed golf flag. So that was pretty cool. Nice, <laughs> nice. That's pretty cool. I won it on the trivia question uh, in the first Civil War. The Ducks won, but what were they? They weren't the Ducks at the time. What were they? If you guys don't know that, I'm disappointed in you. The Webfoots. Yes, they were the Webfoots. And I was just like hand up in the air as quick as I could. And then the next question was, um, I, I I was a little upset because he wouldn't let me win twice. 
Um, but the next question was name a quarterback who had never won a civil war or never lost a civil war for Oregon. Marcus and Mariota. Marcus Mariota, Darren Thomas, like <laughs> anybody in the two thousands, yeah. basically. Uh so it was is just funny. But um That's funny. Yeah. Anyways, it was it was a good time. But uh yeah, nice. like Nate Cost is still a legend. That's a great I would love that. I'm, so I'm here for that. That's that's my new answer. I want my, Nate Costa. That'd be like that'd be like honestly kind of like my number one pick, just just for nostalgia <laughs> reasons. It's, it's, like you're right, it's a huge fucking risk. But I'd love it. I would <laughs> and the fan I'd be base, here for it. The fan base would freak out. Absolutely freak out. Yep. I'm here for it. I'm here for <laughs> it. All right. Let's get into some actual results here um, from last week. Because not only was coaching nonsense crazy, rivalry, rivalry week lived up to the hype. Man, if you watched college football last weekend and don't agree that it is better than the NFL, I don't know how to help you. <laughs> get help. Go to therapy. It is it every game there was there were scrums, it was passionate, there were upsets, there was rush in the field, it was insane all weekend from there like is, Thursday to Saturday. Just there insanity. is nothing quite like rivalry week in college football. Nothing like it in sports. It's just there's just pure hatred on the field, man. And, and it's, it's so incredible. It's it so is incredible. Great. All right. Well, as we usually do, <clears throat> we're going to go through the Pac-12 slate first, and then we'll get to the rest of these. Um, on Friday, the Buffaloes went to Utah. Buffs were reeling, had their uh, top contributors on offense out. Uh, Nate Landman was still out on defense, so it was an uphill battle. They put up a pretty good fight. Uh, only uh, lost to Utah 28-13. to I don't have a lot to say on this other than Colorado season's over, and that's probably for the better. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> now I'm saying, then, you know, it went pretty chalk, so. Then, later that night, the Apple Cup in Seattle, Washington <laughs> State laid the hurt on the Huskies. Are you surprised? <laughs> Not at all, but... The Washington State fans stormed Husky Stadium, and that oh. made me so happy. <laughs> I am not here for storming the field against a sub-500 team ever, unless it's an away game. <laughs> then I am all for it. Did you uh, did you catch that article I texted you about storming the field? I did not. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm going to have to busy. find it. And it's right it up your alley you. right now, Jamie. <laughs> It's talking oh, yeah, about how storming the field means nothing now. Yeah, it was about how like more uh more fan bases have stormed the field this year than any year ever. Oh, and I think just, it's it stupid. Was just, it was basically like the pandemic of field storming. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll have to send it back to you. But yeah, it's hilarious. A, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. However, I am a hundred percent here for this one. Yeah, I mean that's especially that's always at great. Husky Stadium. At a Husky Stadium. Now, oh, if somebody great. did it at Autzen, I'm going to knock you out. But at Husky Stadium, we'll let it at slide. Husky Stadium we'll do it, it all the time, all the time. Like I said, like it's got it. Yeah, and this, but but there, I mean, there are times where like, yeah, you're all for it because you're not a fan of either of those teams. But like, Oregon fan storming the field at Reeser, like that had less to do with beating Oregon State and everything to do with. That win meant BCS going to the national, national championship, championship. Yeah. game. Like yeah, yeah. that, like 
Yeah, that's a little different, right? Well, I, I mean, there's obviously time and place for storming the field, right? Like, oh yeah, no, the top ten is- win. I'm all here for it. Yeah, I think it's awesome, and it is. It's what makes college athletics great. Basketball, football, whatever is what makes it awesome. But overdoing it makes it less awesome. Yeah. Uh, that, well, the, I think the issue is like you know the pandemic. People oh, are just yeah, excited no, to be fucking back, yeah, man. Definitely, no like, doubt about it. And they just want to storm the field and yeah. Yeah, I also, it's I also definitely have like, overdone. I have like my old man theory about storming the field right now, which is that social media, like people want the 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 post of them being on the field after a win. They want that on there. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that's like that could just be like total old fart. Fucking get off my lawn. Get off man. my lawn vibes. <laughs> yeah. Old man yells at clouds. Yeah, that's me. When it comes to storming the field, that is a hundred percent me, no doubt about it. And I'm not even ashamed. But yeah, that was the that was the largest margin of victory for Washington State in the Apple Cup ever. Wow! I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, just kick them while they're down. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you basically beat an FCS school, but you know, yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right, Saturday. The game previously known as the Civil War still doesn't have a name, so I guess that's what I gotta <laughs> call it. Um, again, another dominant effort by Oregon that didn't appear so on the at the end of the day on the scoreboard. Yeah, and like I think I think because uh, I saw like some posts from like friends and stuff um, after the game. That were they were you know kind of free like you know it was like the mid quarter post that you get on Facebook like later they're yeah. like wow like they're trying to make this like it's like oh like the Ducks are like trying to blow this yada 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 and I was like this the stadium feel was the exact opposite of that like the the second half or like uh, f- like the whole second half nobody no nobody in the stands was actually worried like I don't know if it's the energy off the field. Or whatever, but like I was just like, yeah, Oregon's gonna win this game. Like the only time that kind of came into question, kind of, was that onside recovery, onside kick, yeah. Um, because it, it was just dumb. It was such a lapse on Oregon's part. They just like, oh, whatever. Um, but like the whole game, I was just like, yeah. As soon as soon as they went up by three scores, I was like, people were leaving. There were like eight minutes left. People were just like, I'm out. Like, I don't know. It's it, like I saw people freaking out about it online later, but. It was that was pretty, you know. Again, for being a, a fairly low score, like point uh, point spread at the end, it was a pretty dominant effort. Yeah, I mean, you said <laughs> it all there. Um, this game was not as close as the score indicated. Watching it on TV, I like like you said, the only time that I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> at any point in this game was. Uh, maybe when they threw the flag for the targeting when I didn't think it was targeting and the onside kick. Those were the two. That I was just like, yeah. man, they're just going to. Well, and again, you know, uh, you, you look at it. Uh, Oregon State scored a touchdown and a two-point conversion with a minute left down three scores. Right, right, right. Uh, also, the two, like, the why go for that two-point conversion at the end that. of the game? No, I'm at the very that. end of the game. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, like, the one earlier that we were all like, what the hell? I'm talking about. A minute left. You're down three scores. Eight, eight, you're you're either down by ten or nine. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. I I don't like. I was just. I guess it's just for fun. 
for Jonathan Smith, just like, oh, we got it. I want to talk about that because we we were singing Jonathan Smith's praises earlier in the show and how it was a slam dunk for the going for two. And what was that? The second or the third quarter? Mm -hmm. Right at the top of the third quarter. So they they were down, they were down 24 to nine, right? Because they scored a touchdown. And Jonathan Smith went for two. There is zero logic in my brain to that decision at all. None. Uh, And it's not like Oregon (laughs) State's like Oregon from back in the day where they went for two like every (laughs) fucking time. That's not the case. It makes no... I have zero explanation for that. Um, There's like an outside um, like reason for doing that. But uh, for me as well, I was like, why would you want to be down 15? Why would you ever want to be down 15? Like, especially like I would get it. Like if they were down, you know, uh, that much in the beginning of the fourth makes a little bit more sense. It kind of lets you have a game plan go out. But like in the third, when like you have you have two whole quarters to come back from a 14 point deficit, like in college football, in college football like that, it didn't make any sense. You're right. No, it it was bad. Bad decision. Yeah, now, I, it's now, fine, but I, I can get the argument because I posed the question on Twitter as soon as that happened. What was the process behind that? And and you know, people argue that you know, you play to win the game, not tie it. And I get I get that argument, but to me, kind of like Eli just said, that much time in the game, take the points because yeah. what that ended up doing was forcing him to try to go for two to make up for that miss and put them in a position late in that game where they went from being able to win that game to a touchdown ties it like you you're in a much different position if you just take the points so uh yeah a weird one to me i mean it goes like the same same thing like if you have a chance to to kick the field goal before the halftime i think it was like Kick the field goal. Like your dude just hit a 60 yarder a couple weeks ago. Get take a chance. Like anytime you have a chance to take the points, take the yeah, points and, and let the rest go. Now you could argue that it's 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 good to miss it first because now you know that you have to go for it again later. But like to me, there's no difference between oh, I missed it, so now I get another chance to do it again versus just waiting to the end. If you're gonna miss it, you're gonna miss it. Like at least you yeah. at least if at least if you save that two point conversion for the end, you know that you need to make that. Like you've set yourself up. If you miss it that early, now you have to do all the math in your head over and you have to kind of change your game plan as you go. To me, just go with the normal game plan and hope it all pans out because the thing is when you go for that two-point conversion to me jamie and eli when you go for that two-point conversion that means that you don't think that you have two more touchdowns in you or three more touchdowns in you Mm -hmm. you think that you have enough to get to 11 and you could score two more touchdowns to get over 24 but nothing more than that because if you would have just kicked the field goal and just had trust in your defense and offense, it wouldn't have freaking mattered. So to me, yep. that kind of showed a sign that you didn't think your team was going to be able to score enough touchdowns to 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 get that margin anyway. I didn't like it. Did I just I did not like the call. And that is where that is where analytics annoys me. There is a place for analytics, but you just have to trust your gut sometimes, not go mm-hmm. with the math, man. Gut says take the points. Didn't like that move. Agreed. Agreed. 
Uh, I, I liked it for Oregon because it put Oregon State in a bad spot for the rest especially of when the they game. Miss, especially when they missed the second one as well. Yeah, yeah. You're just in a bad spot. I do want to point out that Anthony Brown had a gem of a game on Saturday. He yeah, was, he was great. Yeah. He's 23 for 28, 275 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Also ran for 83 yards and a touchdown and threw an absolute dime on the run to, uh, who was it, Williams down there? Was yeah, it like the a 50 Williams. yard dime Did not see that on coming. the run. 100% thought he was running. He was going to run for that first down. Okay. So, um, and I, I don't know how the camera angles were on the, on the broadcast. Oh, we're going to talk about that when you're done. Okay, but in the in the stadium, <laughs> so I was watching that play. He literally had four guys, or no, sorry, three guys open over the yeah. middle, yeah, after the sticks, just like wide open. And so the second I saw him huck that ball up, I was like, "Fuck me, are you kidding me?" And then I saw that Devin Williams was also open. <laughs> All four receivers were wide open during that play. Yeah. I was just like, I was like, oh my God, you could have had that first down. And, but I, I mean, it was a touchdown. Like, what the fuck do I know, it was a man? Dime. That it was, was his best throw of dime. the year. Maybe the best throw of his career. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. His best throw was when he was hooked on the ankle and still made the touchdown, or not a touchdown pass, but the pass, uh, the pass to, uh, uh, Johnson over the middle. Remember? It was against uh Washington State when he had like, oh, yeah, he, like we he was there. getting sacked. He was yeah, in the yeah. act of getting that sacked. That was a good one. That, that was, was the best one. throw of the season. This one was the second. I will give you that. I will give you that. I don't know. This was more impressive. Fifty yards <laughs> in the air on the run, like on a dime. I, I it don't was, know. It you was a good pass. Don't you get me wrong. can't have made a better throw. Yeah, it was it was a great pass. So uh but yeah, I, as soon as that went up, I was like, "Fuck, are you kidding me?" <laughs> then it was a touchdown. Not again. <laughs> I was like, "Oh god. I thought he just made the wrong read." Look, guys, and I've defended Anthony Brown all year, Oregon fan. He is not the greatest quarterback of all time, and he's not going to be. He no. is what he is. He's consistent. He makes good throws. He makes some bad decisions. He's a quarterback. I don't know like I don't know what to tell you other than that, right? He wins um, games. He he is who he is to me and I like him. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good quarterback. You don't go you don't go 10 and 2 without being a good quarterback. You just don't. So at the end of the day, he is who he is and um he's led Oregon to 10 and 2 and you can't yeah. you can't you cannot tell me that he's as bad as this fan base makes him out to be. Because he's just not. You guys, we watched Oregon football last year. He, he ain't worse than Tyler Shuck. No way. <laughs> he's not. And yeah, he had or some Texas good games Tech over this the year, year with uh, old uh, V-Tech. But <laughs> I'd still take him over Braxton Burmeister. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'll tell you. I'll dude, tell you. Okay. So I'll on. tell you something. Um, Ty, the, I, Anthony Brown is the opposite of Tyler Shuck. Right. Yeah. Because Tyler Shuck had all the physical capabilities in the world and absolutely zero reliability. Zero reliability. Yeah. Anthony Brown has all reliability and 
he's talented. Obviously, he's a fucking D one quarterback. But when he when it comes to D one power five c- contender quarterbacks, maybe he's not the most talented. But he's he's a game manager, and that's what he does. Yeah, and you and also he's talked about it. like getting a good a good quarterback in the transfer portal. Like, uh, you know who who Oregon got in the transfer portal? Like, here Anthony Brown came in with like no fanfare. Really, we knew he was yeah. a former Boston College guy. Uh, took a year last year playing behind Chuck, and then I played well this year. But you know who came in with a lot of fanfare and fucking sucked? Dakota Prukup. Prukup. I was like, gonna say that. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, so so you have had some actual pretty bad quarterbacks come through in recent years. Yeah. And Brown is not one of them. No. The thing is, like, you like you have also been pampered because, like, I I like Anthony Brown this year, but. Uh, different time, different place. Like if Vernon Adams were the transfer quarterback on this team, you're looking at oh, uh, ooh, that's that's a dangerous offense. Like oh yeah, Vernon Adams is a like I, I honestly think Vernon Adams is a better quarterback uh, than Anthony Brown. But you know, obviously Marcus Mariota is not walking through the door. But you can't compare Anthony Brown to like all the greatest quarterbacks who have come through and and Vernon Adams isn't one of the greatest, but he was good. But my point is like, you've had some really good quarterbacks come through. You've had some really bad ones come through. And Anthony Brown is not leaning towards the bad side of that. He's on the better side of that. Yeah. Like when it comes to transfer quarterbacks, like I said, like, I mean, Mazzoli was phenomenal. Vernon Adams was great, but like, so like Anthony Brown's a tier below them, but he ain't Dakota Prukup. And he ain't as good as some of the guys you've, or he's better than some of the guys you've recruited in recent years. So yeah, it's dudes is what he is, and he ain't bad. If you no. guys are expecting Marcus Mariota every year, it's just not going to fucking happen. Yeah, nope. I, I don't know Herbert, what to tell like, you. Like you're just in for a world of hurt every year if that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, real quick, Eli, you asked about the camera angles. Jamie, I want to know what you get your your take is on this. And during the duck game, I changed to every other every other game on at the time and realized that the Oregon broadcast was the only one doing this, and it was fucking irritating me. But dude, pre-snap and during the play, why the hell am I zooming in to giving me only freaking tight end to tackle? Like on the on the broadcast, Eli, you could not see the receivers. Tight. It was you couldn't see the numbers. The 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 zoom in was so tight and half the time, like if, if if Anthony Brown threw one of the, the screens out to the receiver, the camera had to like pan down super fast and you barely got to the, you barely saw the receiver catch the ball or drop the ball because the camera couldn't get there in time. Every freaking play was zoomed in literally like, I'm not joking. Tight end to tackle. You could not see. And then I changed the channel and they were zoomed out to where you could see the upper sideline and the both hashes, both numbers, and I'm like that. Uh, thank you. Like I can see what's going on. Oh, it was frustrating. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, the Oregon broadcast this year, man. It just no. It just seems like ESPN is sabotaging the Pac-12. Oh. Like I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but holy fuck, the broadcasts have been atrocious this year. <laughs> Bad. Yeah, I just hated it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to see plays develop. I want to see what's downfield. I can't see anything, anything. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like it's like what I was saying. Like you guys then probably didn't see the three wide open receivers over the middle. We we did on the replay, right? Oh, like really? they did the sky that's cam why. replay and saw them, but that's all. That's the only way we did. I am I am an advocate. I am in favor of 
all broadcasts switching to the sky cam and going with the Madden cam behind love the line. That. Yes. Because every time they show a replay with that angle, I love it because you can see plays develop. I remember years and years ago, this has had to be like 2000, like 10 uh, ESPN did a secondary broadcast on like ESPN uh, three at the time. And it was no broadcaster audio. It was just Skycam the entire they, time. They did that for Oregon, Utah this year. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. And yeah. that was one of my favorite games to watch because like, dude, I just get perfect behind yeah, the so quarterback good. camera and can see plays develop. I liked it so much. You can more. see the running yeah. holes. You can see everything. Like, yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah, when you're doing the when you're doing the the sideline cam, it made sense when you didn't have the XFL's technology of the sky cam. Thank you WWE. But you know, <laughs> now you have it. Use it, baby. Yeah. Uh, so I I did uh, something very exciting happened to me. Uh, well, it made me feel very good when I was at the game. So I was I was there with a buddy of mine from work, and uh, we were we we're I was like just talking about the game, right? Like, just like, oh hey, they're in a cover one. Why are we not throwing this out outside? You know, like shit like that, like just like random shit talking to my buddy who's also a football guy. And like, you know, I'd be like, oh, that hole's right there. That's a 12 yard gain right there. And, it, you know, like it, it was it, I was I was kind of on point with my uh, not my play calling, but the the an- analysis of the game. And the guy in front of me at like one point in the third quarter just turns around and goes, are you a coach? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no. And he's like. You should be, dude. I was just like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I was like, no, I'm just obsessed about college football. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm just no, like that reminds me. Fan. That reminds me back in the day when we were in band and, you know, <laughs> it, Oregon used to run. My favorite play was when they'd run that tunnel screen like five times in the first half. Then they would do the fake tunnel screen. The guy was just streaking wide open down yeah. the field. Yep. Always. Right. So in the third quarter, they'd run that play every game and it was a touchdown every time. Mm-hmm. I sw- I swear to God, it was every time under <laughs> Chip Kelly, and so it got to a point where I'd see the play start, and I would just put my hands up because I knew it was a <laughs> touchdown. And Casey, the drum, you know, he's the center snare for us at the time, just looked over at me at one point. He's like, "How the fuck do you know what's happening?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, that reminds me because band kids. Love them. We're all band kids, but they're so easy to impress. Oh yeah, because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because my favorite story on this is is Boise State. It was the that was the game Boise State at Autzen where every quarterback oh, got hurt and Darren yeah. Thomas like burned his red shirt and almost led the comeback. But uh, Boise State's lined up. They're at about their own forty yard line. Uh, they call an audible. Two of their receivers go way out. Oregon's defense gets all discombobulated, and in the confusion, a linebacker got manned up against the far wide receiver. So I turned around to the band and drum major at the time, the whole band hears me. I'm like, touchdown number 80. <laughs> Kid you not, their quarterback sees it, calls the hot route, and that guy just streaks. Snap, he doesn't even look, throws the ball up, and the <laughs> dude catches it with 10 yards between him and the linebacker defending him. The linebacker's never going to win that battle, man. No. Up. Walks into never. the end zone, and everybody in the marching band just looked at me like, how did you know? And I'm like, yeah. 
that's pretty basic. That's basic football. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a football savant. That that's basic. Yeah. <laughs> but oh man, the band kids thought I was no. no oh, do they? Like, hey, yeah, Chris, they I'm thought. Gonna go, I'm gonna go to Seven Eleven after the game. You got any numbers? Do you think I should pick? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, is, is eighty score? Is, is, is eighty even a number I could pick? Is it a good lucky one? Because you got any input? Those those band kids, I I just like you know because like we all kind of sat in different sections and uh, I just remember like there would be like I you know we, something would happen on the field and like seven people would turn to me and be like what just happened <laughs> <laughs> what what just happened what just happened <laughs> so nothing, nothing better than the band director playing the song for first down and you're like uh, hey Doctor Wilshire he dropped the ball yeah <laughs> he, he dropped the ball uh, no nope, oh no nope, nope. yeah, he's a, he's a yard short anyway. <laughs> We got, are we gonna are we gonna just uh, maybe it happened when I had to step away from the computer? But are we just going to ignore the targeting call on Verone McKinley that wasn't? But was oh, it was terrible, terrible, terrible call. But they got it right. They got it right at the end. They did, but it was a terrible call. And yeah. I was I was with my cousins. I was in Cincinnati, right? So they're kind of adopted Oregon fans because they watch me on TV and whatever. Yeah. So they're not true Oregon fans. It's like, no, that's targeting. I was like, first of all, fuck targeting forever. And second of all, that is not targeting. He hit him with his shoulder first and his face mask hit him. That's a textbook tackle. No, I was telling Eli, Jamie, I watched that play not only after the game. I watched it on replay over and over and over and over and over. And to me, I don't even think it was close because... I don't even think he hits him with the face mask. I actually think he comes in for the tackle, but uh, Harrison, I believe it was the Oregon State receiver, initiates more of the contact than McKinley. He gets a clean shot on McKinley's chest and shoulder with his shoulder. Very legally, I might add. Neither, I don't think, like, I'm not saying the, the wide receiver was in the wrong. It was a very legal hit. Yeah, it was, he, it was he, a football play. He looked, saw McKinley coming and braced for the hit properly and unloaded on him because if you watch the hit McKinley gets the worst of it the only thing By you far. could you could possibly argue targeting was there was a like but the thing is you need slow motion to see it but there was a slight launch of the body by McKinley but again, like you can argue how much of launching is launching versus a dude engaging for a tackle. And that play was also bang, bang. This idea uh, was it freaking Wilner on Twitter, the guy who's supposed to be an unbiased journalist who freaking hates Oregon for some reason, talking about how a, a defenseless receiver. He wasn't a, a, a receiver who braces for impact and initiates contact with his shoulder is the complete opposite of a defenseless receiver. Like. A defenseless receiver is, I have no chance to brace for the hit. I'm in the air coming down, and I just get slammed. Like, there, he was not defenseless. He saw it coming. Yeah. I thought it was the actual yeah, and right the, call. That, that is the moment in the game, and I'm surprised it took this long, that I turned the sound off on the broadcast because the announcers were livid that that call was overturned just absolutely (laughs) beside them they went on for like 15 minutes about how that should have been targeting and they don't understand how that call was overturned i was like fuck all of you i'm done with you well stupid it kind of goes back to how targeting has uh, like in my opinion targeting has uh affected defenses more than any other thing in football because it, no you doubt. can't, you cannot hit somebody hard today. Because even if they're a non-defenseless runner, and you go in and you hit hard, 
and they lower their head and it hits your head, you are ejected from the game. That yeah. has been proven over and over and <clears throat> over this season. Yep. I, I, I think I think we were well, I don't remember what game it was, but I think it was Rod Gilmore talking about how targeting isn't that big of a deal because oh, it only happens one at oh, there's only an no. ejection one every four games. One every That's four fucking games? That's a lot. And also, there were two in that fucking game. Like, yeah, stupid. It's it's it's, it's, it's a dumb. horrifying. It needs to rule. go away. Yeah, it needs to go away. At, at yeah. minimum, it needs to be adjusted to get rid of the ejection piece of it. But it really just needs to go That's away. That's it. That's the key because so many of these targeting calls. Uh, and McKinley was definitely one. Like you're in there making a football play. You're not there to freaking injure people. Yeah. And a lo- so many of these these targeting calls were just hard hits, or the ones that I really can't stand. We've talked about before, or the one where the crown of the helmet hits the other player, but the other player like bent into the hit, so kind of changed the center of target anyway. Like I can totally get down with personal fouls or an unnecessary, yeah. you know, unnecessary roughness type penalty, but ejecting players for bang bang plays and a lot of the time like the the harm was not the intent i i I just can't get behind the ejection and then then if that stood he would have missed half of the pac-12 championship game yeah and that's even worse to me terrible and then but then on the flip side of that like two plays later the the little brawl thing that that broke out which was crazy to begin with, and one guy got ejected from Oregon State, but the guy that should have been ejected was, I think it was number 15, the wide receiver that decided to pick, grab DJ James by the helmet and try to rip his head off. You should be ejected. That's- well, yeah, ripping the helmet is awful, but we can't, to be fair, I mean, Oregon receiver grabbing the jersey, pulling him down, like it was Watching that game unbiasedly yeah, it's a was initiated foul. by yeah was initiated That's a personal by foul Oregon, on player, Oregon. Player. But you grab the face mask and try to rip his head off. To that, me, that's worse. That play is that's worse than the guy coming in and getting a cheap shot that didn't even worse. hit anybody. Way worse. Like, they ejected the wrong guy because to ripping a helmet off can do so much more damage than coming in and barely hitting a guy in in his head that's protected by a helmet. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Uh, uh, and then also screw the announcers. I hate this whole like, and I hate saying screw the announcers because I want to be one one day. But you know, oh, this game just needs to stop. Them. They just need to end this game now. Like it was the worst freaking thing they've ever seen. And the thing is, like, people don't understand. Like these games, man, they are like the 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 feeling and everything on the field. It changes once those clocks hit double zero. Like there's a lot of 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 intensity going on, especially with Oregon State in a position to maybe get back in, you know, tie that game. But dude, what happened when the clock said double zero? Oh, all the players that were involved in the altercation, they were at the fifty yard line shaking hands, giving so hugs. And, I, and, I'm actually and gonna like. I'm actually gonna tell you something. I was gonna I was gonna bring this up. Okay. So the the we get triple zeros on that clock. I would say eighty percent of Oregon State went straight to the locker room. That's fine. There was, I like I know I know but like I was kind of like that's I I you don't generally see that because you know obviously all of Oregon's team stayed out like two guys went to the locker room and their staff of course they did but they like won. huh of course they did they won I know I know but like it was like the vast majority of Oregon State went into the like just went no handshakes nothing into the locker room okay well so, then edit my part out I'm I'm here for it I love <laughs> no, that it's good content. I think it's, it's good great. Content. 
That is fantastic to me. It's, I, I wasn't. No, it's, it's not fine. like I'm not over here being like they were shitty. They're low for doing that. It was just like it I mean, wasn't. They are, it was, it's not like it's like it's not like it, like you know they were best friends after the game. It's not like rugby where they look, go like fucking rip look, each you know, other. You know what? You know what? More sports need to be like. And I know, I know, Eli's not a baseball guy, but Jamie, you're a baseball guy. More sports need to be like baseball because you know what happens after a baseball game. Like, if a pitcher gives up a walk-off home run, he doesn't stand on the mound and wait for the game to end so he can go give a handshake to everyone who just beat him. What's he do? He walks straight walks to off. the dugout and to the clubhouse. And who shakes the winning team's hand? The winning team. They celebrate with the people who won. I, I, I get this whole, like, oh, you got to be a good sport and this and that. But, like, oh, hey, you just whip my ass. Let's shake hands and be happy about it. Trust me. I've been in those situations, too, where I've just been too angry that I just lost the game. I didn't want to shake anybody's hand. And it's not like I'm being a poor sport and don't want to celebrate with you. But, like, dude, I don't want I just lost. Let me freaking let me decompress. Like, yeah. Let <laughs> like, me be mad. Yeah. Like, no, I get it. Like I was just, uh, it was just like you know, it's it's not like rugby because like I know rugby. Like what they'll do is they'll go fucking rip each other to shreds for an hour and then go have a giant kegger together. But rugby's dope though. Rugby's R- dope. Rugby's sweet. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, so it was, I like it was you know there there were obviously players out there talking and stuff, but the vast majority of Oregon State went to. The hey man, when you put little brother in their place, they just have to <laughs> go <laughs> sulk. All right. <laughs> Hey, but yeah, definitely, definitely no room for ripping the helmet off to me, to me, to me that, that, that when you look at that, uh, like that's more of the instigator to the other guys coming in and throwing the punch. Definitely. That was not, which was definitely. so dumb because I also think that that, that the, the guy throwing the punch was a heat of the moment ejection, because if you watch that replay, yeah, he came in. It was more of a shove, and he barely got the organ guy that he was trying to shove. Yeah, uh, the guy but, was like five times bigger than him. Yeah, but the ripping of the <laughs> helmet do any damage. Yeah, the ripping of the helmet is more of an instigator. Yeah, in for sure. Situation. Also, no okay, kind of. We're gonna we're just gonna keep going on this. I guess going back to <laughs> going back to the announcer being like, "Oh, this game should end." Oh Fuck that, God. because. Those are the very same guys who are going to talk about how rough and tumble football used to be, and now it's a Nancy sport. Like, <laughs> fuck that shit. No, fuck you. No, you don't these get, you don't annou- get I don't know ways. who the announcers were for this game. I honestly don't. They but, were really bad. Yeah, like if, Re- if they're really, calling, really like, oh, bad. this is low, this is blah, 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 blah. No, fuck you. Like, it was, no. Like, you don't get to do that. Also, did you watch good any other college football game? It literally happened in every game. All weekend. Did they say that in the Ohio State-Michigan game that got just as chippy? No, I guarantee you they didn't. No. No, that one was getting praised for the video that was going viral for the the Ohio State defender. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one in the locker room, them flipping off the other team and this and that. And it's funny because you see them flipping off all the Michigan players. And everyone's like, oh, man, that's this is what this is what heated rivalries are all about. But uh, no, it's going viral, too, because there was a point in the game where one of the um, Ohio State defenders got chippy with someone and in their face and like the entire Michigan offensive line came at him. And I'm like, that would be scary because all those guys are bigger than anybody on the field and they're coming in fours. Yeah, they're coming in fours. No, that was classless, guys. That was class. The game needed to end at halftime when they were flipping each other off. So no, stupid. I think that cla- the whole like it's classless or the game needs to end. No, the game doesn't need the end. But what what it does come down to that that needs to, that comes down to Mario Cristobal 
and Jonathan Smith. Like, do what you're paid to do and get your team together. And and uh, as a coach, you got to knock that focus up. Yeah, you got to knock that shit off. All right, we got derailed a lot, but there were a lot of other football games this weekend, so we're gonna quickly run through the rest of these. Um, Notre Dame finished off Stanford. Stanford's terrible. Have zero clue how Oregon had any business losing to them, but uh, yeah. We're going to move on from that because it's just depressing. <laughs> BYU finished their 5-0 and run in the Pac-12 by beating USC on Saturday. Oof. Um, so that that's not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> Arizona if you go State, five and zero against the Pac twelve, and you're not in the Pac twelve. You should just be in the championship game. As <laughs> <consolation>. <laughs> well, they did beat Utah. So. See, or this is where this is where this is where even college football get get give me some give me some uh, European soccer relegation and and uh, you know give me that nonsense promotion. Okay, well, sorry, Stanford, you sucked it up. You are relegated now to the Mountain West. Oh and, hell yeah, dude! Uh, BYU, you are in the Pac-12 for going undefeated. <laughs> I would love that shit, man. That would be that great. Shit. Arizona, peace out. Speaking of Arizona, they lost badly to Arizona State. No surprise there. And UCLA beat Cal pretty handily. So that was Pac-12 play this weekend. Pretty chalk. On onto the other games that weren't quite so chalk. Uh, Ole Miss beat Mississippi State. No surprise there. Cincinnati is still undefeated. Uh, Iowa came back from 12 points down in the fourth quarter to beat Nebraska and earned themselves a spot in the Big Ten Championship against Michigan. That's like, it's like, it's so weird because like, you know, at one point we were talking about how Iowa might be the best team in the country and then they like fell off so hard. But they're still 10 and, they're and still, 2. And they're still in the championship, man. Like, Crazy. Iowa's a weird case this year, man. They're a weird Iowa's case. a weird case. NC State had a fourth quarter comeback to beat North Carolina all in like the last minute and a half. That game was crazy. Um, what else do we got here? Georgia had another shutout. I don't. How is Georgia going to lose? They're not. Georgia, Georgia. This is a classic. Sounds so <laughs> stupid, so Georgia. cliche. But Georgia's going to lose if Georgia beats Georgia. Like they are mm-hmm. going to beat themselves. It's going to have to be. It's going to have to be stupid turnovers, stupid penalties, just a, a complete mental collapse. And I just don't see it. They are so good. But like I told Eli, and he made a good point, and I'll let him bring it up here too. But I said the thing is, this is just the longest Georgia has gone without making the usual Georgia slip up. So mm-hmm. they're poised for a college football playoff slip up because that's just what Georgia does. My but Eli, my counterpoint is this is not Mark Rick Georgia. This is Kirby Smart yeah. Georgia. This is Kirby Smart <laughs> and it's also the best defense I've ever seen. By far. Hands down the best defense maybe I don't know maybe ever in college football but it's it's top top Definitely five. in modern college football. Yeah. I I mean honestly, I I can't think of anything Quite this dominant on defense in modern college. And I was I was looking at recruiting the other day. They have three five star defense uh, defenders coming in this year. Yeah, they're not going to get. So worse. they're going to lose like <laughs> five, and they're going to bring on the yeah, whatever. It's ridiculous. Now just imagine because you know you know you know who Georgia offered once in a in a blue moon. 
hmm. like everybody else. But you know who Georgia was going hard after and offered one time? Who's that? Kayvon Thibodeau. Could you mm. imagine? Oh my Thibodeau God, dude. <laughs> Jesus. Unreal. <laughs> Although they do have that guy, and I, I can't think of his name. I think it's Jordan something. That guy, he's like he's like six eight, three hundred and thirty pounds, and runs like a four eight forty. Oh yeah, he's a total freak of nature. <laughs> like, I know who, who you're talking guy? about. I saw Absolute him run down a fucking nature. running back. Like you just like, yeah, who, who is this fucking about. guy? I'm trying to look him up now. <laughs> it's unreal. Uh, that defense is yeah, stupid good. Stupid good. Stupid good. They shouldn't lose. No, they really should. Um, and then Michigan finally pulling through and beating Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh, fresh off of his, I, I get they didn't extend him, but they said they're not firing him. Um, what? That's a clutch move for him, man. <laughs> he was hot seated, hot seated, and and beat him handily. I mean, Michigan now, won by fifteen. And you know what? He just got himself another ten years of Michigan. Oh, if he wants maybe. It. No, I don't know. He can't <laughs> lose nine more in a row. But um, it 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 was good to see. For you know, like I I like Ohio State losing in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, this is one of those rivalries that needs to be more evenly matched, and it's great for college football. When Michigan Ohio State is good, it's great for college football. Yep. Chris had a little uh, I just there. like the game being good that much on the line because as a kid, even though I wasn't invested, I've always loved watching that game. It's just uh, how can you not? It's like it's like it's like Red Sox Yankees. Like it's just yeah. fun to yeah. watch good how rivalries. Duke North Carolina, right? So yeah, yeah. How can and you I was I was like rooting for Michigan. I wanted them, and that had nothing to do <clears> with you know college football playoffs and this and that. It's like I just wanted to, I wanted to see Michigan get yeah, theirs, man. Sure. And they played a God, man. They played a good Great football game. game. Totally deserved that. Great one. football game. Yep. Then we had the Iron Bowl, where Auburn was Thanks in for control. Nothing. Auburn was in control of this game until the last They're minute useless. and twenty seconds. Auburn. So it's funny. I actually I was looking through my Facebook memories today, <coughs> and like twelve years ago, I had a Facebook status that said Auburn is useless, and again, they're useless. Useless it holds true today. They had. <laughs> They had a seven-point lead with like a minute and 19 seconds left, and Alabama had the ball on their three-yard line. 97 yards to go. (laughs) And what do they do? Give up a touchdown and lose in quadruple overtime. Yeah. Yeah. That is so Iron Bowl, though. Like, what did we expect? Yeah, no. Iron Bowl's it, it always won in like, the last minute of the game. Always. It just sucks. It just would have been great for Alabama to have been eliminated on Saturday. Yeah. It would have been. But uh, let, been let's great. just be real tier two. This is one thing that annoys me about how, uh, again, it always sucks to say this as a member of it. I guess I have to be the change that I can't stand. Uh, but like media start pushing this. Okay. Bryce Young plays a terrible game but he get, oh my but, god but, i saw this but scores the, the the touchdown to tie it forces overtime wins it in overtime and oh my god that might have been the drive that solidified the heisman but he has been good this year don't get me wrong he is not the front runner for the heisman i don't think he has been at any point this year but i don't think he's good, even in the top three right but one good drive to tie a game and force overtime all of a sudden oh 
give him the Heisman. He needs to be the Heisman. Honest to God, I will be disappointed. I, I this is kind of what the the uh, Heisman has turned into anyway. But honest to God, I will be disappointed if the Heisman goes to a quarterback this year because I don't think there is a quarterback that has played better than some of the top defenders in college football this year. This is a year ready made for it to go to a defensive player. So here here are as of yesterday the Heisman Trophy odds. Bryce Young is leader at minus two hundred. That's some bullshit. C.J. Stroud is second at plus four fifty. Kenny Pickett. Better argument than Young. Kenny Pickett, quarterback, Pittsburgh, plus 1,600. Kenneth Walker, running back, Michigan State, who should win the Heisman, plus 2,000. Matt Corral at QB, Ole Miss, plus uh, 2,500. No. It's a a quarterback award. You might as well just call this the fucking new, what's the quarterback award, Davey O'Brien? I mean, we say that, and a wide receiver won it last year. The Heisman... This season should go to Jordan Davis, yes. defensive lineman, Georgia. He's yes. the best player on the best defense in the country. Yes. Granted, Oregon isn't getting the pub because they dropped the game against Utah. They're not in the realistically in the college football race. But I mean, some of these quarterbacks that you're throwing up there, you can't tell me that they should be getting realistically better odds than Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, Kayvon Thibodeau should be in that run for how dominant he's been. But even he, he like he Kayvon Thibodeau is the likely number one overall pick. He pales in comparison to how dominant Jordan Davis has been for that defense this mm-hmm. year. And that's yes. no shade on Thibodeau. That's how good Jordan Davis has been. He yeah. should be the absolute favorite to win it. And honestly, I think Kenneth Walker has a better argument than any of the quarterbacks in that Definitely. argument. The no fact that Bryce it. Young is up there with the best odds, he hasn't even been the best quarterback in his conference. Like how like like you uh, uh, Matt Corral Ole Miss was probably the best quarterback in the SEC this year. I I would say by far. Yes. So that like that is what annoys me about the Heisman. Oh, it's it is so become, stupid. It has become a best quarterback in the country award unless someone else plays absolutely crazy out of their mind. But no, on offense. I, yes, but I'm just yeah because the fact that if you go through these odds and see that like Jordan Davis is way down there, dude. The best defense, the best defender on historically one of the best defense of this defenses this game has ever seen should be walking away with this award. Yeah, no Since doubt. Since 2000, the, the award for the Heisman has gone to a quarterback 17 times. Yeah. That's joke. That's what you have the best quarterback award. For, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's that's what joke. Davey O'Brien's for. Yeah, it's a joke. It is a joke. There were other games on Saturday, though, so we're going to go to those. Uh, Baylor beat Texas Tech by three... To solidify a spot in the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma State, who beat Oklahoma by four and kicked Lincoln Lincoln Riley all the way to L.A. <laughs> wow. So that's the Big 12. We'll get to that matchup <laughs> soon. Uh, other notables, Minnesota beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin had come on strong. They made it all the way up to number 14, and then they lost by 10 to Minnesota. LSU beat Texas A&M. I, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> A&M is one of those teams, man. We kind of, They're kind of what we thought they were. Also, yeah. sometimes not. Yep. Uh, Clemson beat South Carolina 30 to nothing. And finished the season nine and three after that extremely disappointing start. Don't expect Clemson to stay down long. Is the bottom line here? No, I, I mean they're too talented. 
Right. They're way, too talented. Way too talented. All right. And that gets us to the college football playoff rankings. We're going to go real quick into these. They just came out tonight. Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Alabama 3, Cincinnati 4, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Ole Miss, Baylor, Oregon round out the top 10. You guys agree, disagree, indifferent? I largely agree, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you'll see it when we do ours. Any disagreement is minimal at this point and probably not a real factor. Yeah, our top top 10. (laughs) Our top 10. um, There's going to be some controversy in here, but we got Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Alabama, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Oregon, Ohio State, Ole Miss, Baylor. Still putting Oregon ahead of Ohio State. They have the same number of losses. Oregon won the head-to-head in the shoe. Should be ranked ahead of them. Yep. I get that Oregon got embarrassed at Utah. I understand. But Ohio State got embarrassed by Michigan. So, yep. that's that. And Oregon has a, 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 a rematch coming up, so... Yeah, could very much solidify themselves ahead of Ohio State if they mm-hmm. get that. And that brings us to the preview of Championship Week. Oh, it's going to be sweet. I'm gonna it's going to be glued plus, to my TV. Plus one. Championship Week plus one. Yeah, because of uh, the reschedule. Be, because Cal and USC are also playing on Saturday <laughs> uh, to reschedule that. Um, neither team can make a bowl game. Don't even know why they're playing, but here we are. Um. All right, Friday night, we start with the Conference USA Championship game, Western Kentucky against the Roadrunners of UTSA. UTSA. All right, I'm, I'm going to write Kentucky. all these down. Hard You're going Western Kentucky, huh? I'm going Western Kentucky, Kentucky is the favorite by two. Hard for me to root against teams that have connections to Willie Taggart that aren't Oregon. <laughs> All right, I'm going to write these down so we can actually we can actually well, see how we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like let's like see. It. Eli is going Western Kentucky. Chris is going UTSA. UTSA. I am also going UTSA. All right, then we have Friday night on ABC primetime. We have Oregon against Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. I think Oregon gets their revenge game. I'm going Oregon. Quack, quack. We're going Oregon to sweep here. No surprise there. Um, I said it. When we did the prediction a couple weeks ago, if Oregon loses that game in Utah, they're going to win the Pac-12 championship game, and I'm sticking to it. I love that. Love that. I would also argue, too, going into that game, I think if they had to play each other about 10 times, I think Utah wins about three of them, and I think mm-hmm. that was one of their that was one of their three. Yep. And so, it just happened to be the biggest, biggest yeah. win of the three that it would have been. Yeah. Yep. I think Oregon wins this one. I agree. Uh, Saturday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, big noon kickoff, whatever you want to call it. You got Baylor against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. Eli, who you taking? 
Um, sorry, I was looking something else up. What 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 were what were we looking at here? Big Twelve Baylor against Oklahoma State. Um, I'm gonna go Oklahoma State on this one. That's where I'm. That's where I'm hitting this one. I'm feeling it. Okay, Chris, what are you thinking? I'm picking Baylor in our pick'em because I'm just I like to go underdog in the pick'em because it's fun. Uh, but having <laughs> watched a few of the games this year, I think I think Oklahoma State's the better team, and I think I think they should take care of business. I think Oklahoma uh, State's win. Yep, we're going Thanks. Oklahoma State to sweep here, and I think that puts them in the playoff. To be honest with you, yeah, it, it should. It, it could, should. Yeah. Um. All right. Same time on ESPN, we got Maction. MAC championship game, Kent State at against Northern Illinois. Man, this one's this Kent is something. State, Kent State, all the way, baby. Kent State, Woo! <laughs> go Kent State mascot. Something bird mascot, right, Chris? I'm going Kent State as well. I think they have the better offense of the two teams, and what should be a no defense, all offense affair. I'm going Northern Illinois just because, <laughs> I don't know. Because why not? Because why not? Uh, next, we got the Mountain West Conference Championship. Utah State against San Diego State. This is a tough one. Um, Utah State is not terrible. But... At the same time, San Diego State is good. So I'm going to go San Diego State. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am going San Diego State as well. Their defense, I think, has enough to shut down Utah. You look at Utah, they rush for 150 yards a game, and they're about to face a defense that only allows a little over 70 yards per game. So, yeah, I think San Diego State's a much better team. Utah State is improved. Mm-hmm. They're not the Utah State of old, but I, I think San Diego State should run away with this one myself. I agree. Yep, we're going San Diego State to sweep here. Uh, seems to be a common theme for the most part. All right, Sun Belt. We got App State against Louisiana. Louisiana Breaking just Cajuns. lost their coach. I'm going App State. Yeah, these two teams are of a, a, a lot of these games you mentioned about as equal as it comes, and I don't think losing the coach is going to play that much into it because I think Louisiana State's going to keep it together. I'm or Louisiana's going to keep it together. I'm going Raging Cajun, baby. Okay, Raging Cajun. I am going App State. Okay, moving on to. Probably, definitely, definitely the game of the weekend. And that is the SEC championship game. Georgia against Alabama. I mean, do we even really have to say it? I hope not. <laughs> Chris, are you going to disagree? I mean, we've, we've all been saying Georgia's not going to lose. So, Yeah, Georgia's winning this, ba- this game. Yeah. Georgia's and- winning this game. I can't remember the last time I saw Alabama as a seven-point favorite, but they're a six-and-a-half-point dog in this. That's, yeah, that's that big tells you what Vegas thinks of Alabama. <laughs> uh, not not of Alabama. It tells you what they think of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I honestly think that Georgia is going to win this by more than six and a half. 
Yeah. I mean, this is a, I mean, it's, I mean, it's only a week, but that's still a short turnaround. When you had as poor of a offensive performance as you did against Auburn, if you, if you can't score against Auburn, you definitely are going to struggle to score no against way. Georgia unless you no figure something way. out yeah. in a week. The yeah. only, the only caveat to that is if there's a coach that could figure it out in a week, it's freaking Nick Saban. This is going to be a good football game. I think it'll be a good football game, but. Uh, maybe till the last, I don't know. I, I think this is a double digit win for Georgia. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this and like, so one Georgia's defense is historic, right? They're historically good at this point. I'm looking at the rest of Alabama's schedule and they haven't come up against a defense that is even remotely half of what Georgia's defense is. I, the best right. defense they come against is maybe Auburn. Yeah, why? Well, I, I mean, and, and, and there's there's two things here that play into this for me, and it's the fact that like statistically, and yes, they struggled against Auburn, but throughout the year, Alabama's had a pretty damn good offense, as has Georgia. The difference is Georgia has an all time defense at this point, and this is arguably probably the worst defense under the Nick Saban era at Alabama. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if they have the guns to stop Georgia as much as they need to stop them. Agreed. Agreed. That moves us to the American Athletic Conference, Houston, against Cincinnati. Cincinnati big. Yeah, Cincy big time. Since he's a 10.5 point favorite. um, I would take that cover. I think Cincinnati will cover that. (laughs) Houston is 11-1. It's not like Houston is a slouch. Um, It would be kind of poetic for finally we get a mid-major team right on the cusp of making a playoff and then they lose. Yep. That would be, it would be very <laughs> college football-y. <laughs> um, I'm not going to predict it because I, I think Cincinnati's a far better football team, but I, I just think that would, with everything that's gone on in college football this year, it just wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that's fair. Big 10 championship game. Saturday night, Michigan against Iowa. I'm going Iowa. Wow. And and the reason I'm going Iowa is it would be very Jim Harbaugh to beat Ohio State and then lose in the championship when he finally fucking gets there. (laughs) So I'm going to go Iowa because it's a very Jim Harbaugh thing to do. (laughs) Well, let me tell you what. I, my friend, I am also going Iowa for the (laughs) exact same reason. (laughs) And that is, it would be very Jim Harbaugh (laughs) and very Michigan to be positioned Um, to make it to the playoff and drop the freaking ball. It absolutely would. I'm I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I fucking hope that doesn't happen because that just opens the door for Alabama to be in the. I, I know, but even after losing, <laughs> and that just makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> Fair. No, but so. what we need though, what we need though, Jamie, is you need you need Georgia to win. Then you need Iowa to pull the upset. Then you need Baylor to pull an upset. Then you need Houston to pull an upset, and you need that door for Oregon to sneak in through the back to open <laughs> wide open. 
Who gets the fourth spot? Notre Dame or Oregon? We're going with the one that still has a coach. Oregon in. Who gets to lose to Georgia real quick? <laughs> I don't think there's any situation where Oregon gets in the playoff. I'm just going to say it. Well, there is. You just don't think it's realistic. Sure. Because there's at, if all I don't four think of those happening. teams lose, Oregon will get in. I don't Oregon believe wins. that. I think Notre Dame will still get in. Who would be your Truly. four then? Because three of the top four would drop out. So, and Oklahoma State would lose. So all of those teams would drop. Okay, so what's your scenario here? You're saying Literally Alabama every loses. every team above Oregon except, except for Georgia, Georgia. loses. <laughs> In yeah, their Michigan, Alabama, game. Cincinnati would all be out. Okay, so uh, Baylor ba- wins. Baylor, yeah, but Baylor beats Oklahoma State. So okay, but drop. Baylor's ranked ahead of Oregon right now. I know, but okay, so you have Notre Dame. Cool, so Notre Dame jumps in. They take number two. Now three and four are open. You have a non-conference champion, Ohio State, a non-conference champion, Ole Miss, a conference champion, Baylor. So now Baylor gets gets in. So now you're looking at that fourth spot, and are you going to take a 10-2 and two Ohio, uh, Ohio State, a 10-2 no. Ole Miss, or a 10-2 no. conference champion, Oregon? It opens Oregon. the door for Oregon to get in. It absolutely okay. does. All right, that's the scenario. That is the only scenario. Every team it has is to the lose. only scenario. Every, <laughs> yeah. every team has to lose, and Oregon has to that win is, probably dominantly. I, I, you know what? And honestly, if that's the case and Oregon's going in as a four seed, I'd rather be in the Rose Bowl. I would too, 100%. Fuck, you're going in with momentum, baby. Come on. No, Chris. No. Nope. <laughs> play Georgia. Under no circumstance. We already, we already have a lackluster offense. You want us to go play fucking Georgia? <laughs> Under no circumstance do I want any part of Georgia right now. And we're going to get them in September already. Oof. No, thanks. Ty All Thompson, right. though, dude. Savior. We got, yeah, we, got, we got sidetracked here. ACC Championship. <laughs> That doesn't feature Clemson for the first time in like a fucking millennium, apparently. Yeah. We got Pitt against Wake Forest. It doesn't This it doesn't is gonna include, be a really good game. It doesn't include Clemson or Florida State. Florida State. Which is yeah. even longer. Yep. Um this is gonna be a really good game. Like and it, it there's not a lot on the line. It's fifteen against sixteen in the in the rankings. But I mean, we're talking about evenly matched games. This is going to be a really good one, I think. I This is a total coin flip for me, right? Like, I, I genuinely don't really know who to pick right here. Um, I, I think I'm going to go with Pitt just because of Pickett. I think Pickett is the, the difference maker in this game. I agree. So I good. agree. I agree, and I'm going with Pitt for the same reason. God, I hate when we all agree because I'm also going pit in this one. It's a, <laughs> so, it's a it's a toss up, it's a coin flip, and I'm going pit. So, um, the the last time that Florida State or Clemson were not in the uh, the ACC championship game was 2008 when Boston College played Virginia Tech. Wow, 2008 was the last time. One of those two teams was in, wasn't That's in. Crazy, and it was man. two years in a row where it was Boston College versus Virginia Tech, and yeah, and then Florida State was in in two thousand five. That's crazy. Yeah, wild nonsense. The last time, last time somebody has won that wasn't one of those two teams, two thousand ten, when Virginia Tech won it. Virginia Tech with yeah. Tarod Taylor. 
Tyra Taylor. All right, we got one more game to pick here, and it is the battle for five wins. <laughs> USC against Cal. This is a total coin flip. I have no fucking clue who's going to win this game. No fucking clue. Now, who's coaching USC? How are they doing that? Oh, is it Lincoln? No. I, can, no. I can't imagine that they're making Lincoln Riley coach that game. There's no way. I mean, he's already the coach there. What else is he doing? What else he got going on? Yeah, but... They run like totally different everything than he he runs. That would be pretty phenomenal. So going to be uh, Dante Williams, probably Dante Williams. And for that reason, I'm picking Cal. Also, fuck USC, and them finish, finishing with four wins would just be great because it's not going to happen again for a long time. Hmm. This is tough. USC it's has Cal USC for whatever has that's a worth. far better offense. But Cal has a far better defense. Uh, this, these, I have no, I have no idea. Um, if, if you're wondering, the ESPN matchup predictor has no idea either. Yeah, I'm on the page right now looking at it, and I have no. I, I'm gonna go Cal as well, just because fuck USC, and I want them to lose their last game before Lincoln Riley takes over. <laughs> uh, Damn, just, you a savage. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have a lot of different picks, Chris. Oh, Drake I think London's I'm gonna, so good, though. I think I'm going to pull rank here and make you pick USC just so we have different picks. <laughs> <laughs> here, okay, here's here, here's here's the thing. It's it's a tough game. Um, it's a tough one to pick. It really is. Uh, it really is. If, if USC continues to go freshman quarterback against Chase Garbers, I mean, I I got to go Cal. The thing is... Wilcox is 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 the better coach in this matchup. You talk about Cal's defense, but uh, athletically, Cal I just Cal doesn't match up with USC athlete to athlete. The and and to be honest, the athlete hasn't been the problem at USC. It has been the coaching in recent years, and that's going to change. Like you said, I think they just got infused with a lot of energy. I think those players are hyped. I think they're going to go out there, and I think they're going to show out. I think, I think you actually see. The end of the old era, the start of the Lincoln Lincoln Riley era, all in one game. I think you see the best game USC's played all year. That's a really I'm taking US. Argument. I'm taking Boo, USC Chris. over Cal, and I'm taking Boo. them to win. I'm taking a two touchdown victory Boo. over Cal. Boo! You didn't want me to go same as you, so I didn't. Jesus, come on! <laughs> yeah, but you're not supposed to make sense when you do it. <laughs> that was a really compelling argument and it almost makes me want to change my but no I'm you're not, not changing it I'm not, I'm not allowing you to not gonna I wrote it. down the I wrote down the picks so that was all on the fly too because Cal. I was going Cal the entire time until you told we me don't that. have a lot of difference here <laughs> let's see where our differences are Eli with Western Kentucky uh, me with Northern Illinois Chris with the Raging Cajuns uh, me with Michigan and Chris with USC. That's not a lot of difference. Not well out of eleven know. games. <laughs> it's not like we have a whole lot of super differentiating opinions about football. You know, no, we don't. But they're all great opinions. They're great. I mean, fantastic opinions. Top tier. Fantastic. All right. 
I think we did it. We did it, guys. That was a whole episode about college football. Just All right. That what, means it's time quick. for cold ones with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> real quick, each of you, who are going to be the final four for the college football playoff? I mean, I know we kind of picked it, but who do you think who do you think is going to be the final four? Um, I mean, I obviously, think, with my picks, I'm going Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. That's my four. I'm going Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and I guess Notre Dame. Let's hope that doesn't fucking happen. <laughs> it might. It might. Honestly, it might still be Alabama in there, but I hope not. I don't think they'd put Alabama in over Notre Dame be honest with you um they've been pretty emphatic with their if you don't win your championship although notre dame can't win a championship so i guess that's null and void hmm well Chris, if you're going based on your picks you agree with eli yeah i have to based on my picks even though i just i feel like feel like my pick against uh, against Michigan <laughs> Iowa would in that game really isn't going to come to fruition it's just I know that's kind of that's what I was struggling with to too because <laughs> um, you guys weren't using like real logic no real football <laughs> we logic just, and we that were just shooting from the hip <laughs> dude uh, well you know what Jonathan Smith went for two points when he didn't need to so not even head football coaches use football logic okay <laughs> so don't get on me um <laughs> But yeah, if we stick if we stick to uh my guess of Iowa losing, then yeah, you're looking at Georgia, Cincy, Oklahoma State. <sighs> Fuck, and then yeah, Notre Dame has to get in then, don't they? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if that actually happens? <laughs> Notre Dame wow. makes the fucking playoff, and their coach bolted for a six and six team. That's unreal. Holy shit, that's unreal. See, but then the, like if Oregon wins. I say they have an argument because I honestly feel like I honestly feel like the committee looks at, okay, Oregon, Oregon, Baylor would have lost because Oklahoma State wins. Ohio State's not a conference champion. Ole Miss, not a conference champion. Right. So now they look now they look at Oregon as a as a, a 11 and two conference champion versus Notre Dame, 11 and one independent with no coach like. As a committee member, also I I, I the, don't think I don't think we can I, understate the fact that if Oregon wins this game and if they win it emphatically, they beat one of the teams that they lost to, right? Mm-hmm. So I I I don't think it's going to because I think I think it's going to hold out. You're not even going to have to worry about this. But if you get into a situation where one of those upsets spe- like plays out, specifically Iowa o- over Michigan, which is not as unrealistic as we think, as we joke. <sighs> to me, there's a real, like, if Brian Kelly is still the head coach at Notre Dame, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. They're 11-1. and one. Their one loss is to Cincinnati. And, who's a playoff team in this yeah, case. Yeah, who's a playoff team. You got to put them in. But then when you look at a 11-1 playoff team, when they, they, like, they haven't even announced who their interim coach is. Yeah. At least not to my knowledge. So, like, to me, that's a lot of question marks. And if you're looking at the best teams, like, I don't know if you put a, if you put a team on an inter, with an interim coach into that situation, which 
I don't know, even raises all sorts of more questions because I don't think that should work against the players. I think that might be where the, where the committee makes that decision as well. Now that mm-hmm. I think about it is those players did enough to get in there and we can't rob Punish them of their them, chance yeah. because their coach walked out. So maybe the argument isn't compelling as, as I think. So, yeah, but let's just go back to the original uh, Georgia. We got to stick to my original plan. I can't I can't backtrack on that. So Michigan's out. Uh, since he since he gets in, Oklahoma State wins and gets in, and then Notre Dame takes that last spot. Man, Oklahoma State jumps from five to three, misses Georgia, and gets to play Cincinnati. What a scenario! Be nice for that, man. What a scenario! <laughs> that is that's nuts. That is nuts. Uh, college football is great. Love I love it, it so much, man. It's, I love college football so much. It's ridiculous. All See, right. but then, but then, if Alabama doesn't get blown out, or it's yeah, close, that's, if, that's if Alabama the in this whole if thing. Alabama loses by three, yeah, then there's a compelling argument for an eleven and two Alabama over Notre Dame. A very compelling argument. That's true. Yep. Oh, I there's, love college uh, football, guys. Like, I love so it. Great. If Michigan loses and Alabama lose, like if if this scenario plays out the way you guys said, and and Oregon wins convincingly over Utah, it's going to be that meeting room with the committee on Sunday is going to be heated because those three teams all have compelling arguments. Yeah, and I don't know how you pick. I mean, the way you pick is you make it twelve. You need it, what so. you need is you need a secondary playoff so that Oregon, Baylor, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, they can all go play in the college football NIT. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the answer. Get out of here with your bull- No, no, stop. Stop it. <laughs> oh, shit. Stop it. Me. It was gross. Why don't we have him on? You, like, you did great the whole episode until that hot trash take. <laughs> It was obviously a joke. Come on. Come nope. on, guys. Come on. Let Come me back on. up the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did it. All right. Now. We're there. Are we are, since since we can't decide who's doing buzzer beater ever, I think we just give it to Chris. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's the correct move here. All right. Eli, you wanna yeah. take the listener for us? Listener. It's getting close here. Getting nice and cozy. Let my dulcet tones ring throughout your ears. We love you. Sorry for missing last week. That's our bad. But you're here now. And uh, we just had a lot of fun. And uh, we're glad that you could join us. If you could share with your friends, people you know who like sports, just let them know we're over here doing our thing. But if not, we're glad that you're here we love you so much. So with that, Chris, Christopher, Chris Almighty, hit us with that buzzer beater. Down by one. Clock's ticking down. Three, two, one. He lets the shot go and... <laughs> Galen DeBoyer. <laughs> Deuces. Five. <laughs>